0: Hey guys, welcome back to Raw Influence, and this is episode seven on the podcast. Looking forward to this one; it's going to be absolutely mega. If you haven't checked out the previous episode with Rebecca Jackson, the pro racer, where we was discussing absolutely everything from the male stigma in uh, the racing industry to how the whole racing scenario is changing through YouTube and so on and so forth. In the episode, I've got some interesting guests. I've got Ben back on this episode, and you'll find out why um, shortly. Just because um, it's, it's a bit interesting with Ben's background and the guests that we've got on. So I'm going to hand over to um, Ben. Actually, go on. You go first. I'll let you do your brief intro of your background. Go on. Thirty so,
1: seconds, not life story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm Ben from uh, from the Real Forex Trader. I uh, now work at Wild FX. My background is in the military. Um, so I have been across the world to some of the places that our guest has been uh, just in a slightly different capacity so um, it's been quite interesting to see the two different sides of it
2: awesome there we go and can my special guest please intro himself hi sam thanks so much ben i had a funny feeling you were military you can't quite take it out um <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's brilliant to be here. Uh, just uh, you know, excited to, to chat with you guys, um, following on for some incredible stories over the last few podcasts. Um, I am an explorer and entrepreneur. Um, I've spent the last 20 years uh, traveling the world um, and I've always tried to tie in Uh, my adventures into creating some kind of social uh, impact. I started a school in Kenya in uh, 2007, which is now in its 12th year, a center of excellence for teaching uh, in uh, in the highlands outside Nairobi. Uh, I made a couple of attempts on Everest, uh, motorcycle around most of the world, and I'm currently preparing to be the first person to walk down the Congo River. Um, All of that... Um, as the, the pressure of growing older without yet a wife or kids is starting to grow and so trying to manage a normal life as well I, I was kind of, I was debating, I was sitting there thinking is this guy single? I was, I was even that, he's had, a, he's, had a, he's had a big argument at home
1: it's like right, I'm, I'm, I'm going for a walk I'm taking my bike and going to a ramp <laughs> like, yeah, it's,
2: oh. uh, yeah, it's definitely sort of cast a shadow over any dating efforts over the last couple of years um, yeah, this is going really well. So, when are you off? How long are you going for? A year? Yeah, I'm Never. just passing through. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. So, um,
0: let's. I, where does this whole journey start? First off, where did um, you? You said
2: you started what in 2007 traveling. No, I mean, my, so my journey we we touched on a bit earlier when we were chatting before was was going to be a pretty standard one. I was going to go into the army. Um, I won a scholarship when I was. Uh, 14 going on, 15 would have guaranteed me a place at Sandhurst. And so basically at that point, I stopped thinking about any other uh, career path, yeah. did my A levels, did university, and I went to get my final medical before going to, to report. And they failed me for having psoriasis. Okay. Um, this, despite the fact they knew this for many years, but the rules changed, and they basically said, if you've got it, you know, you're done for. And that was it, appealed it, got rejected again. Um, and that was it, 22 years old. Suddenly, the one thing I'd ever wanted to do was um, was close down for me. And, you know, I, it didn't really hit immediately how difficult that was going to be to come back from. Um, so I don't think I realized that at, at that age what it encapsulated in terms of physical challenge, mental challenge, the kind of people I wanted to be around, the kind of missions I wanted to be, you know, involved in, actually having a sense of mission, I think, at all. Um, But, you know, within a couple of years, as I was just, you know, just starting to kind of feel my way. It was obvious that this was not going to be easy to to overcome. Um, And, you know, I'd just done a business degree, had no interest whatsoever of going into the city, following all my peers in there, um, and luckily kind of just followed my instinct and, and just started traveling. Um, and it was really, you know, it is an arc that has, has brought me to the point now where I'm, you know, uh, a, a short time away from, from trying to go and walk down this river. Um, but it started then and it started with a massive setback. Um, and it kind of, I think the greatest insight from, from that was what it could look like to be disappointed with life. You know, until then, I'd had a, yeah. you know, a completely just discru- cruise it. I worked hard, but, you know, it was completely smooth. I knew what I wanted to do, worked hard, got my, you know, got my, got my degree, got, you know, played lots of sport. You know, I was going to go into the army. I was going to spend however long in the army and everything was rosy. And suddenly, like, you're on your ass um, for the first time ever. Um, it's weird would you say that? Because, um,
0: not any not any you wasn't medically discharged, were you?
1: No. So my career came to an end basically because of, a knee condition that I developed and my like I wanted to be in the army since I was like since I can remember mm. you know and for me my career came to a, an abrupt end because of an injury and it like my world came to an end very quickly and I was lucky that somehow somehow the real forex trader came out and it all just lined up perfectly but I was it hit me hard for my final year and I was struggling like mm. right? and I don't know what it's like to have that you've you there 10 years or 12 so i got out so i i got out just after my 12 year point and so i'd spent my from 17 to 29 like mm. my you know young adult age all in the military and i didn't know what i was gonna mm. do because mm. my whole my whole career plans encompassed the military that was it there was nothing mm. else mm. um so it's meant to think that you had your scholarships to go to sandhurst you you know you had that all set up and then
2: Generally. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things I've even to this day struggled to find is the kind of the kind of person they like to be around. Um, you know, finally, my I, 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 my my older brother just recently retired, having led a um, having been CEO of a services charity. He was a, he was he retired as a colonel from the army, and uh, he then went on to do this, where they would take um, soldier that had been invalided out uh, through injury. And would do adventurous training exercises with them. And their, their focus, their mission was to recreate the sense of the like, lost sense of camaraderie and group spirit. And I led a trip of, uh, led a group up Kilimanjaro uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and just, it was like that 10 days, was like the best I'd had for such a long time because they're just like such good people. Um, and for me, that was almost the hardest thing. And I've, you know, I've got, you know, I've got the f- close group of friends. Um, but if I look, the commonality between them, they all have this something there, like a little kind of spark yeah. of something extra. And I talk about like adventurous spirit. We we're talking about this before. Like I honestly think adventurous spirit is manifested in so many ways. Like you coming to start your own company and running yeah. it to this scale and success is massively a manifestation of an adventurous spirit. And I'm sure that there's so much of what you must have felt along your journey, which I would feel like would have been incredibly common feelings yeah. from, you know, going and doing a bloody great climb it's the same sense of pushing yourself out on a limb but it's just about trying to, i think that's the thing i miss most is that is the kind of people you want to be around like special yeah. people
0: yeah it's, it's almost like um if you did the term that i would use is it's almost like you're just not settled for you know it's almost like you know there's the way to the shops, actually do you know what? i'm gonna go my own way and i'm just gonna go this way because i it may be an interesting journey. And you, it's what you find on the way that's the, I think so many people are so focused on the end goal. Mm-hmm. It's actually just the trip in itself. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I bumped into this person, met this person. What an, what an mm-hmm. insane journey it was. And it's that that makes the difference over, to be like a real simple terminology, people walking up Nevis, bumping into a Roman. <laughs> that's probably a memorable part now of that person's climb to be like, I'm not joking. I actually ran past a Roman.
1: Oh, ben Nevis. And they're like, no, you didn't. You yeah, know, look, I've got a picture with him. <laughs> yeah, Ben Nevis shared it. They're like, the things you see on Nevis, <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was like quite a, like a, a funny thing to do. <laughs> Apparently, like it's not done. People don't do things like that. Yeah, people down the bottom of the down
0: the bottom of the mountain were, were talking about. Did you know there's a guy out there dressed as Raymond? And as he was coming down, some of the Scots was like never seen that before. And oh. you sit there, and you think, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, what you know? It is those small things that make the difference along along the journey. Mm. What what I'm interested in is, so you just you basically hit the wall of. Hey, everything I've trained for, everything I wanted to do, is now not an option. So, uh, was it? Did you think at the time it was rebellious to go exploring, or did you think I'm going to go find myself? What what did you think? You just thought, "No, I'm just going to go."
2: Not at all. It wasn't in any way. It was never. uh, It it was never conscious, and never certainly no sense of rebellion. Um, It was just purely like instinct. I never forget when I was when we lived in uh, in the country outside uh outside cambridge and one of the things that kept us occupied for seven years as grown up was digging this massive tunnel network under our back garden quite a big back garden and it ended up literally being sort of 40 meters of underground tunnels we had a prison we had a central heating system like you know it was all set up like a you know so my dad was a my dad i guess a bit of, logical prelude to this was that my dad was a was a, a well a renowned escaper during the second world war so he was a tunneler and he was you know just had a world record for the most number of escape attempts from from prisons <laughs> german prison of war camps and much to his horror we just you know we're obviously inspired to go and start digging tunnels and him having been buried alive a few times was not keen on this but we you know one time we filled our entire tunnel network in again and we went out and dug the whole thing out again so like you know we oh. <laughs> but but i do remember so that's so that, so but i remember we sold that house and i remember a mate of mine um who we'd done all this with and he goes well i guess that's all our adventure over with and uh and I we were 18 at the time. And I remember thinking, no, nah, no way. Just like just from a gut level. And so that's all I can say is like, it was a gut level. I just couldn't accept that this wasn't gonna be a part of my life. Um, so at that time, you know, it just, it was, it was kind of just instinctive, you know, I'd save up money. Um, I mean, I the first, first time out, I was, um, lived in the back of a Peugeot two or five for six months outside Oxford and would work, you know, worked laboring on a you know, worked labouring on a building site in the day, did security at night, and then worked for Sky TV counting tackles for the rugby on the weekend right. and just pocketed every penny and then saved up, went out to India, did some climbing out there, came back and, you know, did it again, just kept going to build up that experience. Um, but it didn't have, I didn't have any kind of blinding vision of what I need to be doing at that time, but it was just like relying on that instinctive sense I had to keep moving. Um the other big thing that happened all at the same time, so 1998, 99, was that my dad was paralyzed in a car crash, um, and my parents had just moved down to France, and um, he was quite old. He was At that point, he was 78, um, yeah, and so suddenly, you know, I got rejected from the army. My dad was paralyzed, stuck at home in this miserable half-renovated house. My poor mum was then stuck in the house looking after him 24-7 uh, for 13 years, it ended up being Um, So that we all kind of led over. Um, And strangely looking back, I think what it gave me between the two things, you know, it was a dark time was just this absolute rabid determination to go out and get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Because it was either that, either you go underprepared, underfunded, undertrained, under equipped, wherever it might be and get it done or you just stay here and you sink. Cause like it was, it was pretty dreadful. Um, and I look back and it was, you know, I just think I was just building a website yesterday, um, for something else, but I just came across a picture of me saying goodbye to my dad as I went to motorcycle down to South Africa and back. Hey, I was absolutely <laughs> bricking it. Um, Wait, were you cycled to South motorcycle, Africa? Motorcycle, <laughs> motorcycle, motorcycle. Yeah. Um, that is still crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it was my, <laughs> my
0: business partner, Matt Wright. He, yeah. um, he's from South Africa and okay. came down. And he was working in a Citibank um, in Central. And I believe he drove his uh, Land Rover Discovery from Central London to South Africa. Brilliant, brilliant. And he, his wife was um, on, on on a plane home. And he says, I'm probably going to be a little bit longer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and love he it. documented his journey and his Amazing. journey back. And it's that kind of stuff, though, is the, is the crazy source that I, I would say that like makes life. It's those things that... You know, you're, what you must look back on now from your journey, you must sit there and think, what? Well, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, how
2: the hell have you funded this? But you're basically saying you just, you jumped in the deep end, you went for it. Well, I mean, from that point of view, that I mean, it was, you know, I didn't fund it. I saved up three grand, which is about half as much as they reckon you needed to go one way, and I went down and back again. But for me, that equaled certain things. I wasn't going to eat very much. I was going to sleep rough, which I did two thirds of the night, two ni- thirds, two night, two thirds of the nights of the trip. Um, I'd have obviously zero safety net. Um, I was going to go you know, under prepared. So I went wearing a pair of jeans, a pair of slip on trainers, a t-shirt, I had a helmet. Um, I never registered the bike. I bought fake license plates for it off the internet because I couldn't afford to do the registration. Never still haven't got a motorcycle license. Um, I just took a sheet of black plastic as my tent, um, but went, you know, and I could easily have spent three, four grand on equipment and all the rest of it. But there was at th- that point there wasn't, you know, there just wasn't, I didn't have that money. I didn't, you know, didn't have, didn't have that money. And it's like, you know what, go like this, make it work. Um, you know, i didn't have any time. I didn't, couldn't, didn't stop. I didn't go and look at touristy stuff, but I went and got this trip done, you know, four months to go 35,000 kilometers on a bike that, um, you know, was actually far too much bike for me. I mean, I'm a terrible bike rider. Um, but, uh, But I did it, you know, and came back four months later, almost hypothermic, uh, as I got back a bit later than expected in November, covered with rain and, um, you know, had no warm weather gear. But I did it, you know, walked in the door, said hello to my mum, had a cup of tea and and that was done. Um, And that, I honestly, like doing it like that. And there's a, you know, there's a balance, you know, Do you know, there's a point where under preparation is just. Is just um, daftness, right? Um, but there's a point where you think, I've got just enough and I know what I have to bring to the table to make it work with those under-resourced. Yeah. So I knew I'd have to. No, I said, I had no problem sleeping in the bush every night. Although I do look back now because everyone says, like, weren't you afraid of lions and stuff? And I was like, no. But I look back now, I think, I wasn't afraid of lions like
1: yeah. yeah. Like, Maybe well, there was one. Was, yeah. yeah. I wasn't thinking about lions until you mentioned that. No,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. yeah. It's probably good that no one asked you that before you went. <laughs>
2: well, remember there was one night, there was one night right towards the end, luckily in Mali, and I got set up in a lovely, it'd been a miserable, like, Drive through West Africa, and it just the rain—it hadn't stopped raining for like six weeks. I was constantly wet and miserable. And come out into the into just below the Sahara, and it was beautiful, and it was warm, and it was just lovely. And there was this lovely like grassy knoll, and I set up my—you know—I pulled the bike over, I set up my little kind of tent, and I was just sitting there happy. And this old shepherd came along, putting his taking his sheep back to the village, and he goes, "Oh no, you shouldn't stay here. There's loads of lions." <laughs> like, oh god! And I was—I couldn't—I I didn't have any weapons. The only thing I had was a. I had my uh, i i put the bike on its side and kind of slept with my head underneath the bike so that it wouldn't take my head off. And then I had this I had my bottle of spare petrol and a lighter. And my, my idea was if a lion came along, I was going to squirt it with petrol and light it. But that was probably probably unrealistic. Yeah, that was ambitious. Very. <laughs> like, did like, it, did he offer you ambitious. a place to stay? Or did I'm you- sure, honestly, like I'm sure he would have done. Had I, I just couldn't be bothered to repack my bike. It's, you know, oh, takes so you tw- stayed there. Yeah, I just stayed it was there. Like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and had my little knife, but uh, <laughs> and my knife and a bottle of petrol, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Out of, you know, um, but you know, I mean, the incredible hospitality. I mean, incredible hospitality around the whole continent. You know, it's one of my big kind of, you know, one of the things I want to bring back from Congo in terms of a story is just as a as a as a place that is nowhere warmer than than Africa. Um, and a trip like that, you know, it's interesting we talk about craziness and like going on these crazy trip. Like the thing that that was most dangerous on that trip, without a doubt, was traffic. Like the thing that was going to kill you and things. Like, I'd get up every morning and remind myself the thing that's going to kill you, Toby, is getting hit by a truck. It's not going to be. Yeah. It's not going to be, you know, robbers. There's nothing dramatic like that. It's going to be something really basic. Um, South Africa was a bit different, a bit kind of felt, you know, I felt a tension there, but everywhere else it was just amazing. I felt, you know, I can remember coming back and I came back to London and went out, Without you know, with a night out with my friends, I mean they come out of the club at two in the morning. Everyone's hammered, and it's just like that really hostile yeah. feeling in the street. And I once I felt felt like more, like there's put more aggression and risk on a street in central London than anywhere around Africa. So I think one thing I've always taken, and again, this way you have to you know apply judgment to that, is that so often it's in the perception is more frightening than the reality. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't mean you go and drive through Afghanistan necessarily in the middle of the war without taking precautions or, it's, you know, there are some places where you have to be really sensible. But for the most part, like, a lot of places are, are nowhere near as frightening in, in, in the reality.
0: Because in, in looking just through your Instagram, you do look like you go through hostile areas.
2: I mean, I, 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 at the, I, I've been to lots of places that had name, like, again, this might be, you know, uh, somebody it just carried, media, like, but. Yeah, I think that's part of it as well. I mean, for sure. I mean, like take Congo for example. And one of the key things my team and I want to do is to provide a counter narrative to what makes headlines. And it's not to say that those are those headlines are incorrect. That is what makes news, but it does paint a very one-sided picture of an area and a people. And you know, I worked you know hand in hand with uh, you know Kenyans in particular. But, you know, I spent a lot of time with other other, other African nations. Um, uh, you know, you feel like that's te- doing a disservice um, in a moral sense, in a practical sense. People don't go to Congo on, on holiday because they assume everywhere is, you know, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an impossibly dangerous place to go. It really isn't. There's some very isolated places which are very dangerous and you shouldn't go. But there's a lot of places that would be incredible and that would be incredibly valuable to the country to, to go there. Um, Iran, like, you know if, you, if you, you know, if you're talking to my, you know, to US friends, you know, Iran is pariah. Iran is Hands down, my favourite country I've ever been to. Really? Loved it from start to finish. It just was magical. Um, and yes, you, you know the leaderships—you know—it can at times be seen to be pretty poor. But on a on a personal level, ground level, uh, absolutely magical. Um, and I think that's—it's really important to bring those stories back to provide those alternative narratives and, and it doesn't have you know it has to be nuanced like you know you can say there are bad things and good things but my experience has been 99% of the time amazing um
0: did you have any issues entering any of the countries
2: it's an art in itself for sure <laughs> really? like crossing borders is an art um and a science and then you know and, and it's a you know it's definitely takes some planning um and yet weird you strange little kind of vignettes you know, to go to sudan when i was driving around if you came if you were heading south north you couldn't get a visa or it was a three month wait. Or it was a six month wait. So you're coming to Sudan. You go to, or you're trying to get it from the UK before you left. It's bloody impossible. You go to the consulate, the Sudanese consulate in Cairo as you're coming south, three hours. I got actually got an hour and a half. I sat in the waiting room and they just put, they stamped the passport for me. It was so random. The one that almost did me in was Angola. Um, and they just would not give me a visa. And I was sitting in, uh, in there in, in Namibia, in, in Vintook going out of my bloody mind because there wasn't really any way. Angola is a massive country and there really would have been almost no way to block around it because um, it was it was a rainy season in Congo, which means all those roads are impassable. And it was basically, I'd come all this way. I'd come all the way around down South Africa, was coming back up through West Africa. And just wanted to keep momentum up, you know, just knack. I was pretty tired by that time. Um, just wanted to keep momentum up and they just wouldn't give me one. They just would not give me one. And I was, I got to the point where I was literally was begging and I still don't know quite how they gave me one, but I, I got one. I got super excited, got on my bike literally that same day sort of get across the border I was a bit nervous like Angola is a place which has you know, has that kind of yeah. back then particularly it wasn't that long after the end of the Civil War then it turned out of course to be an amazing place just wonderful um, And I, but you know that time I was a bit nervous like get across the border get stuck in get started and it just got across the border it was amazing went about 150 kilometers and got hit by a truck and was then put out of action for eight days so um, yeah so that was a bit funny but it was that was in terms of like visa stuff that was the worst for sure I cool. went oh, until I got back to Morocco then I got back to Morocco and I was going to cross from Mauritania into Morocco and no one, like all this fake plates and fake registration and stuff, no one gave a, no one cared less about that for, you know, the entire round. I mean, who, they don't know what's a fake registration. Morocco, of course, gets loads of European visitors uh, and the bloke at the border, the bloke at the border was super switched on oh <laughs> and right. he spotted everything was completely uh, non-legit and it, it was, uh, it was extremely touch go when I was even going to get, get across that border. So that was a bit dodgy.
0: And how, uh, like, you got hit by a truck.
2: Oh, I got hit by a truck. Um, Let's <laughs> just... Oh, I got just, hit by a truck like it's nothing. It. Yeah. Yeah. Let's
1: go back to that little bit where it just said I got hit by a truck. It was It was funny.
2: So it was a really good day. So I got across that border. I was so relieved to have gotten across this border. Um, the um, the uh, the roads, there was, I mean, Angola had this, yeah, this long civil war and it, it famously had something like 25, I don't know, for sure, but something like 25,000 kilometres of roads. Of which, by the end of the Civil War, 200 were left. You know, it was completely destroyed, but it made for amazing riding. It was just like just beautiful riding. People were lovely, and I just super felt super comfortable. I uh, was cruising along. Like, okay, good day under the belt. Um, and I went and but all the bridges were bombed out as well. I'd been destroyed in the war as well, yeah. so everything was just these one these one lane pontoon bridges, like temporary things. Um, and I was just going, went down, came down a steep bank onto the bridge, going across, and this truck, uh, this construction truck, came down and just came plowed straight into me, didn't stop, um, and luckily just kind of winged me rather than took me head on, but it smashed the front of my bike up and smashed my shoulder up. And um, yeah, incredibly, it all worked out, it worked out pretty well. The, it turned out it was a Chinese company that would. Chinese doing masses of have been doing masses of uh, big uh, structural investment in Africa. It's a Chinese company, big gang of two hundred ex prisoners, uh, two hundred serving prisoners on two year <laughs> on two year uh, on two year placements in in, in Angola. Um, <laughs> the Angolan police turned out to be amazing. <laughs> like they they confiscated their truck and said you have to pay him for everything. Like you have to repair his bike, you have what? to make sure he's all right, you have to look after him for the next two weeks or how long it takes. I bet um, he was loving that. It was, it was, I was just, I couldn't, I only had a, but I couldn't, I couldn't leave the country. Of course my bike, I got this random, like fairly rare, brand of motorcycle which is stupid I should have got like a Yamaha or something, yeah, like, something that's everywhere, yeah, everywhere. So yeah. it's a KTM which is fine if you're up in Europe but down there there's only like four dealers in Africa yeah. or one of which luckily was in Namibia but I couldn't leave the country to go and get what I needed from Namibia so I had to send somebody down there I had one, I only had a one entry visa for Angola and this bloke oh, he was such an incompetent guy he, he literally went it was a, a day long journey each way so each round trip was two days it took him three journeys to get this one simple piece of oh, stuff from the KTM God. Dealer. So it was all very stressful. And, um, it, it, but it was it was an incredible experience. Actually, looking back at it now, I, I look at that, you looking about with a kind of slightly rose tinted gold, which is amazing because I was there with 200 Chinese prisoners who had been over there for this period of time building roads and stuff um, and they were super nice guys I mean they I don't know who was a murderer or what but they were really nice they are really <laughs> nice guys boundaries. have you ever thought
0: that you just have no boundaries to who's a nice guy because <laughs> 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 every single person that you just said is like oh yeah they, and they, they, they were really nice guys and he was, he was a really nice guy it was like there was 200 murderers there and they was all lovely guys I've gone president but nice guy yeah <laughs> yeah so was your shoulder okay? More importantly, yeah, it
2: was. It was very painful. There was no doctor. There was nowhere to go for it. But it luckily, um, it was okay. Um, we ate Chinese food. Incredibly good Chinese food, like for two weeks. Um, everything's shipped over. Like everything shipped over. And I remember I was, by the by the day I was leaving, I was so fed up with Chinese food. And then it was funny that night. I was left early in the morning, having had fried rice for breakfast, and um, by that night I hadn't there was nothing to eat. And I remember lying there at night. So hungry, wishing I could have some fried rice. it like, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take long, but it was great. It was great It was an amazing experience. When I mean, there was like we had these great training sessions where they used all these. What I hope would de- I never. I assume they were decommission. Angola had a terrible mine problem. Yeah. Prince Harry was down there this this week uh, at, 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 on projects that his mum had set up. So they always had really bad mine problems, and you can see it like every day as people with their limbs, you know, walking really? around the village with their limbs blown off. Um, having had their limbs blown off is a serious problem. And, um, so these, there were, these guys had found this, these, these, uh, these, uh, decommissioned mines that were basically like kettlebells. <laughs> and so we were training with these, like, with these wise Except We assume they're decommissioned. I never actually checked. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, suddenly you see, it yeah. goes off. It's one of those kind of, um. You, know, you like, do gym work just hope. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in my head, they're decommissioned.
1: I'm perfectly fine.
2: Yeah, Gym workout with... Mines. With mines, yeah. I got a great picture of this guy he's bloody strong he's fat but he was super strong. Um, and he was doing like some kind of one of those like what do you call it, those Roman lifts where he you lifts yourself off the ground and then have to put it above your head and he was doing this massive great, like big like anti tank mine. <laughs> yeah, the mental um, should we ask David Lloyd if they can get some in yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly suggestions box what Angolan minds <laughs> ask Harry um,
0: um, so what when you're going along you say, what are you thinking like what is your end goal like are you just going yeah. for uh, you're just going everywhere are you just you know what was your think f- thought process was it more just the fact that so you did the South African trip and then you just carried on going really and then you was like oh,
2: well the, South, I, the, the, the genesis for the South African one was actually a girl Okay. Um, standard, standard. Yeah. <laughs> there's a girl I really, there's a girl I really fancy. Actually, we'd been out for a bit uh, a couple of years before, and um, uh, it all worked out well in the end. Be happy to hear. But uh, and she was volunteering in Nairobi, and I'd just done this motorcycle trip the year before from Nepal back to <laughs> I can London. See
0: where this is going? It's like, yeah. Oh,
2: I've got a motorbike, you know, and I'm going to drive it to see Yeah. Right. <laughs> You'd think that would work, wouldn't you? Um uh, spoiler alert, she married my best friend. Those are not a happy ending. It was a happy, it was a happy ending, she got to avoid me. So that, that was the happy ending. Not for me, but yeah. I'm heartbroken. Um but yeah, so that's basically how it started. I thought, you know what, I need a follow-up from last year's trip. Um Africa sounds interesting. Um Yeah, I'll come down and drive down and see you. And it was literally a process of working out, okay, if I'm going to go to Nairobi, which is almost exactly halfway between Europe and South Africa, I might as well carry on to South Africa. And that was all I intended to do. And then I realized by the time you ship your bike back and fly back, it would cost me less just to drive back. And so I drove back. Um, and that's how that happened. And what happened was lovely, you know, why is it? it is a happy end is that we came down to Nairobi and spent a month, uh, with, uh, Lila volunteering in a, in an orphanage in, in a, in in the slums in Nairobi and we got talking I'd been the three years before that I'd been working in various programs in India up in the hills is
0: that is that um you I don't know if this is me I was scrolling through some of your photos there's a photo of you and a a lady is that that is that the lady that you're on about and it's and then on on I clicked on the profile and there's like photos of just people sat on tanks anti-aircraft guns and things like that (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I was sitting there thinking this is some serious kind
1: of trick I'll, I'll, I'll show
2: you i, that, that, I don't i do, was
0: absolutely mind but i realise like, that
1: every male now listen to this probably doesn't like you very much yeah. their wife is now going, what do you mean you won't drive two hours to come and see me he drove across the world he took his bike across
2: the world to go and see her yeah. you won't even drive an hour <sighs> right where is this because i was and that's basically my dating profile. It sounds great until reality <laughs> what, <what's>, hits, yeah. <laughs> and you want to get us from Tesco. like, like yeah. you know, what's your Instagram for everyone? Uh, Nil to Got it here. Yeah. Here we go. Conogram.
0: Yeah, Conogram. No. What's that?
2: Uh, what's it? Oh yes. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, she's awesome. No, she's not. No, she is. Um, she is coming to Congo with me. She's an amazing, gal. Um, Simone Bazos. Uh, she is... um she's, yeah. all, she's the she, fifth picture
1: three guys sat in an anti-aircraft gun on the back of a
2: yeah 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 no she's, she's a real deal absolutely just
0: are you just sitting there and I was just like you yeah. know what yeah 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 I was like come on these guys haven't gone in trouble like, a lot
2: of people when I so basically I tell you what happened with her was I was trying to do a bit of research on potential broadcast partners for Congo early on um came across this and he look it up it's brilliant this, this um uh, this film that she did for Vice Media called uh, Russian Pilots in the Congo and it's just this great fun it's exactly what it says on the tin you know it's Russian she, yeah. she got in there she spent months kind of gaining their trust um, and it's all these ex-military pilots from, from Russia that come out to spend latter parts of their career flying planes around the East, around Congo <laughs> and they're as mental as they sound um, and she, she, she managed to she managed to get their trust let them you know they don't want to talk about what they're doing they want to keep a low profile but they, they let her in and um, she spent time out there and she spent years before that in really tough other in just tough places and she had you know as i got to know her better and i was basically i wrote i said can i have the name of your producer um p.s if you want to come on this walk with me you're you 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 yeah you're yeah. about back yeah i'm in bless her and um and, and i thought yeah you know well let's meet and let's have a chat and um i seem to remember my interview question was look I, I, i've just been reading these horrible articles about what, ha- what happens to you if you get bitten by a snake and i'm damned if i'm going to Basically, your whole respiration cuts, yeah, you know, yeah, right? And you yeah, suffocate yeah, And I yeah, thought, you don't have no, thank you. Um, so I said, basically, I, I, the way I look at it is if, 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 if that happens and there's nothing can be done, you're going to have to shoot me. Are you okay with that? And she get yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. But you got to do it to me as well. I was like, okay, deal. And that was basically that was like the interview question. Um, All right. So you're going on a
0: trip to the Congo. You've agreed. Like you have just you just maybe <laughs> this is why you're suicide. This is why you're single. By the way, if I get bitten, you call to shoot me. I'm out. I'm out. This is, this is yeah. too much. Yeah. You know. um, okay. So uh, why, why don't you just take? Is there no? Um, is there no like vaccine or? Um, yeah,
2: it's it's a complicated one. That one, the anti venom. It's anti venom. Um, yeah. A, there's not a lot of it. Most of it needs to be kept in cold storage. Uh, okay. um, a lot of it doesn't have, it's not super, you know, the, effic- the efficacy of it is not it's not really great. So, yeah, you definitely have options, but they're not, it's not foolproof by any means. Okay. Um, it's, it's scary. It's the only thing, it is genuinely the only thing that gives me actual nightmares, the um, snakes. And it might It probably be, you know, I've been around other places where there are snakes and you never notice them. But it is, is it, it, was, it was specific? one article, it was one article Is it a common snake or not? In the garden, oh, there's loads of snakes. No, but of that caliber, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, there's yeah. this. It's swarming with them. Right. <laughs> millions of them. <laughs> I mean, millions of, of the most, you know, some of the most dangerous snakes in the world. Um, I was at London Zoo a couple of years ago at the reptile enclosure, and um, uh, they have two green mambas, which they are quite common in in in, in that region. And it's 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 behind like inch proof inch bulletproof yeah. glass, right? And I crouched down and it's probably about, you know, two yards away. And it just picked its head up. And it's a very, the green man is beautiful. Like it's really pretty. It's very yeah. feline looking. It looks like a kind of cat. It's very beautiful, yeah. really bright green. And it just locked eyes with me and just really quickly just came towards me on the, on the rock and then reared up like this. Not aggressive, not aggressively per se, but just came up and just like, and i swear it was for the, i literally almost pissed myself um in a literal sense i was so petrified by this thing real and i completely forgot they didn't have the glass there was a glass between us yeah, and it just yeah. came, it was just realizing that thing there a foot away. If it bit me now, i would be in you know, it, you know, it yeah, would you kill me and I'll be yeah. dead in 30 minutes. Um, so yeah, I, it, but you know, it's you know, people live there, you know, people live in that environment day in, day out, yeah, you know, so, so, so uh, without that, so it's, you know, it's one of those things. Yes, it's probably, it's, it's definitely a risk. It's one thing. I think it's just the nature of, I, until I read this article when I was doing my research, where a, a scientist died from a snake bite, you know he just, you know, he so, hadn't yeah. prepared his. Ex- he was a snake. He was a herptologist, He was a snake scientist, right? But he hadn't. He was woefully unprepared, and it was this horrible account of how it took him seventeen hours to die, uh, of which thirteen of them were him and his his team giving him artificial respiration, but he was still alive and, and, and conscious. And it was just like, oh no, thank you. It's worse uh, than drowning, though. It is. That's really, it. That's yeah. it. Like that's it's the reality. He's knew and he's feeling. You're feeling it. You're feeling the paralysis come through your body so you know there's lots of stuff you know we'll have the advantage for example obviously home boots and you know and um, you know, and that's where most people who get bitten in in, in sub-saharan africa they're getting bitten on their ankles or on the lower legs yeah. it's actually a real it's a growing it's a growing area of realization that actually snake bite mortality and uh, and and injury is a is a, is a really un un, un, un because because it's people that aren't being recorded, you know, people aren't either they're dying too quickly to get to hospital. People aren't recording it, and people are, and so it's not getting any notice. it's Actually, a massive yeah. it's a massive public health problem. Um So that the fact that we'll always be wearing boots and heavy, you know, it's going to you get, just, you get just head need start. to get
0: some sort of Kevlar leggings. Yeah. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, trust me, they, they, they literally are threaded with Kevlar. Oh, a yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> suit
0: of Roman armor is for yeah, yeah. sale. <laughs> you, you get, get one that. snake? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Mate, you haven't got just 10 miles now. You've got (laughs) 3,000. Yeah, I'm good, mate.
1: (laughs) Talking about the Congo, right? I just put into Google, the Congo. The first question that comes up, is Congo safe to visit? Mm. Reconsider travel to uh, to the Democratic Republic of the Congo due to crime and civil unrest. Do not travel to, in bold letters, north, is it Kivu and Ituri? Promises due to crime, Ebola and kidnapping.
2: Yeah.
1: And you yeah, are it's a nice place. It's not a kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, is that why you're going? Is it like the adrenaline rush of that? Or is it just the fact that you go, actually, I don't believe that. And I think there's a lot more behind the scenes. We've had people there before. They've met some lovely people. Yeah. And it's a different experience to what's been
2: portrayed. Um, well, it starts off with, you know, having an opportunity to do, to do something that no one has done before, which honestly I never thought I would do because I'm not. You know, I have no, I have no kind of, um, I don't believe I'm t- technically talented at anything that would allow me to go and do, you know, a first climb or, or something like that. Uh, did you, well, before we go on to that, did you actually climb Mount Everest? No, two, two years. So I started the Kenyan Everest expedition. So the idea was to support uh, a Kenyan climber to be the first Kenyan to climb Everest. So okay. kind of started it, um, funded it, selected a, uh, a Kenyan climber, um, and you know, it was also it was the first. It was my first attempt to use adventure as like a narrative tool to get people excited about something. And the idea was to show people outside Kenya through this one guy, Steve. What an amazing, you know, extrapolating from him to characteristics that I see every day in Kenya. Um, yeah, we went there. We went two years, 2014, 2015, um, Unfortunately. Two years that were, you know, um, had two disasters. One after the other. First was uh, 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 16 Sherpas were killed uh, in the ice fall on the south side of Everest, um, which quite reasonably, not quite, you know, quite properly uh, meant that the season was cancelled. And then in 2015, uh, even greater tragedy, which was a massive earthquake leveled huge parts of Nepal and again, closed. The Everest, uh, and it's only two times the season's ever been cancelled, and it was two years we went. Wow. Um, so it's un- unfinished business there for sure, yeah, uh, and it's a special so. place. It's really, uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting topic, like kind of the number of armchair mountaineers that come out from like March to May, which is the climbing season on Everest. You know, people commenting on it, and it's uh, it's as ever, it's a nuanced subject. You, yeah, everyone's seen that incredible that picture of the of the queue across the across that final ridge to the summit, which is, you know, is, is reality and, and the reality of overcrowding. But, you know, people that go, I mean, it's a, it, anyone who thinks it's not a serious, still a serious climb needs to just trek into every space camp, yeah. feel, work out how rough you feel yeah. at 5,500 metres and then imagine climbing three more, three and a half more vertical kilometres.
0: So that's, I just, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever met anyone that says that Mount Everest isn't, isn't a serious
2: climb. It's the commentary. If you next next year, next year when 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 it's kind of let's say every season from March to May, early yeah, end of you know, mid May, kind of keep an eye out on the articles and watch the comments and stuff about oh, it's just a trek. It's, and if you, you look at you look at that, if you even you look at that ridge photo, and you go and you could easily see that ridge photo doesn't look fundamentally different than a you know wintry day in Scotland, like the actual rocks and stuff. So you, if you've yeah. never been to altitude, yeah, it's easy to think, well, yeah, it's thinner. It's just, it looks just like a. But what you can't, it's impossible to describe. And it says, well, you need just to go to any altitude and feel how rough you feel, and then you imagine being at that altitude where you're literally you're you are literally dying. Um, at that you know above eight thousand meters, like your body cannot survive up there. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and it's 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 impossible to describe like how close to death everyone in that line is. It looks. As if it's, it's, it's a very, very, very weird it, thing to is, describe. Is it 8,000 metres, is, is that roughly what it? Is? It's 8,838 metres is the summit, but 8,000 metres, I think, is, you know, it's kind of where the, the, the limit beyond which you're actively dying. So, Ben Nevis was what, 1,400 feet? I don't even know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even <I> <laughs> know, I don't yeah. know if we went there. <laughs> no.
1: anything, it was 4,000 So, what you're saying, saying is just feet. seven times that? <laughs> <or> eight <laughs> times that, it was?
2: Nah. Nah. So it's an interesting one. It's it's a weird it's a weird one. It, and it's it's and it's um and it and going back to, you know, talking about your climb up Ben Everson, you know, it's bloody rough. But it's can a weird climb fr-
0: now? What's no, I don't it? think it is. I think it's a fucking play park. Isn't it? <laughs> a fucking, go the do that steps. eight times. I tell you what is interesting. I know a guy that would love to probably do Mount Everest with you. I, unfortunately, I didn't get his name. We was, we got to the top of the summit. This guy must have been mid forties, mm-hmm. wearing shorts and a water pack. Yeah, we, we took us. Um, we left at nine. We, I hit the summit. You were slower because you're, you're fair enough. You're wearing twenty five kilo uh, <laughs> of metal, so it was, <laughs> it was a chance you got to beat me. Yeah, he said he was going to carry me up. Never happened. And. Um, I got up there probably about, I would say, 1.30. You must nah, know. No, because I did it in 4.10. Okay. So you I were for me because you were about, well... I would say an hour. So maybe 3.10. No, yeah, maybe, okay, half 12 then, yeah? Let's just go, yeah. it doesn't matter. Half 12, this fella comes up, not out of breath anything, right? And he's wearing shorts and tea and I thought, what's going on? And he's going, yes, yes, like I've got to the top. And I said, please tell me that you you haven't just ran up here. He was, yeah, yeah. I said, what time did you do it in? Uh, two hours. He wasn't even out of breath. I said, Why? Fun. Yeah. What? Right. Yeah. He's like, Right, I've got to, be- got to run back down now. Yeah. Two hours. i yeah. I seen a thing at one point. Wait, it sounds stupid. I wasn't really. It was borderline hands and knees in the last kind of 50 yeah. minutes. It just ends up going like that. And you've seen it. It's kind of like the. It's almost like a gravel stones. So it's yeah, like being it's on a scary. pebbly yeah. beach yeah, yeah. It wasn't where it's just like that. And you just keep falling back. Yeah. And I was like, uh, how's that guy even I, I see the thing. I can I, I try to think about running up that without falling over or, or even doing it. It was just crazy. And I was like, this guy's another level. There's just some people out there. I was talking about it on a previous podcast with a guy, George Sullivan, and there's, um, I can't remember what his name is now this guy he's went and done 50 Ironmans in 50 what days in 50 days broke the world record and it's, it's just it? he's what's it, what's uh, called like the Iron Cowboy or something yeah, like that yeah. yeah. the Iron Cowboy then then you've got the the guy that's swam round um, the yeah. whole of the UK yeah. Lost, yeah. yeah lost parts
1: of his uh, tongue yeah his tongue started falling out his feet like
0: yeah you think, And he had that one little cut on the bottom of his toe and just went to the bone because it was like just, it, it was constantly know, in the water. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got David Goggins. It's just like, yeah, I'm going for a run. You're kind of falling into that category. Yeah, You get into that stage. Now. Like, I mean, let's go. So you're talking about the snake bites and everything else we're going into the Hungary River. What's,
2: were those are Those the biggest things on the risk of the trip? Um, I think, no, no, probably not. I think, you know, if you look at that, if you look, imagine risk is a pyramid. Like the day, the broadest day-to-day risk is just going to be, uh, you know, I think just exhaustion. Make sure you, you know, yeah, risk risk of illness from, from water, from from lack of nutrition, poor nutrition. Are you doing um, the whole water? Right. I mean, it's not. I don't think. I think obviously, given the fact that we're following a river, it's you know, it's not it's not going to be an issue. As if we're kind of trying to traverse a, you know, desert. So there is a,
0: there's a device. i you probably you're fully aware of it. I've seen it. They're awesome. They're these like almost like tea mugs now. They're, they're battery powered. I'm sure it would last. I'm sure it laughs No, no, no. It, it pours the water through this thing and then there's um like um there's like a blue light and it kills all of the bacteria mm. that it falls through and then it's just for We used to get issued
1: it, called lifesaver bottle and you put it in and you just pump them like that. Now, they were big like three like bulkiest thing ever. No one carried them because they were just too big. But you still get given them and it was the same way, you just scoop any water into it, pump it, and that would apparently give you clean water.
2: Yeah. The problem is, and then this yeah, uh, they actually um, all of those were options anything which is battery electric yeah it's got to be lower tech than that because you can't rely on it yeah that's the the pump is such hard work um if you know in the serious you know it's it's hard work particularly when you're looking probably gonna be drinking eight to nine liters you know probably six to eight liters of water a day um and there's a brilliant device that came out where actually you um uh it's a filter that uses the power of gravity to push it through and it's a bit slower so, you I think, I think Carmen Pavic, the the, 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 uh, yeah, the, the reservoir is like something. five liters or something. And you, yeah, it, did not take, it doesn't take that long, but you talking, it takes half an hour. Okay. But you can do it as passive. So, you can, you know, you have probably three or four of them and you get into CAM and, you know, you know the first thing you do is going to get that in, and let it start filtering while you're setting up other stuff. So, A, you're not using valuable energy doing something that's yeah. really not necessary. Um, and B, it's a lot, you know, it gets a lot of it done really quickly while you have other tasks going on. So, you know, it's from my, you know in terms of like my approach is it's, you know, you don't want to become too gear focused, but also at the same time, you want to be super gear focused, which is a weird dichotomy that you want to be gear focused mentally so that if you lost everything, you couldn't crack on because it's a possibility you get, you know, you get stuff could be stolen. You could, you know, lose everything in a flood. You could, you know, it could potentially lose everything. You couldn't be so mentally reliant on it that you wouldn't be able to reprovision locally. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to be as well prepared as you can, like for me, I've got like a 280 item gear list, um, something like that. Um, And every single item you're thinking through, you haven't got, there's no, there's such a plethora of information on the internet. There is no excuse not to be, uh, questioning everything that you're taking and making sure that it's the best fit for purpose, whether that's weight, whether that's um, efficacy, whether it's just the right thing to be using, and it's actually one of the so the Congo thing for me is is it's been you know is, is absolutely the pivotal experience in my life and I haven't even started yet. Yeah, um, well, it's I've seen what, you've been
0: talking about it since like 2016
2: uh, about doing it. Mate, see, it so it's what happened was Everest. We had the first did the first attempt on Everest, got back from that we had great traction as a storytelling device in Kenya. Like Steve, quite right, he's an amazing guy, was lauded all over Kenya. Had he summited, he would be like written into the country's history. But it certainly worked in terms of getting people talking. we got no traction outside of, of Kenya because obviously you're, you're in such, Everest is not a new story unless you're doing some crazy, yeah. ridiculous thing. You know, it's not going to get any, any coverage. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> moment, literally. I mean, <laughs> in, and at that point, you, you're thinking, you know, in all seriousness, if you're doing something that is, just purely novelty for novelty's sake. There's, you know, this is fun, but I mean, on, it, it just, it's just no point. So I got back from that and although we committed to another, had had funding for another year, 2015, didn't put any more like serious thought into it, just kind of have it on the back burner. Um, and this is when I realized, and it just happened at that time that realized that no one had done this Congo river trip. Um, and start, I thought oh, that that is a narrative that I can build something around. No one's done it before. Is something that's strange to talk about world first that I never thought I was going to do, but this is something where it just intertwines a set of character or set of challenges that I think would actually just massively like appeals to my skill set, you know, partly just the willingness to sort of set something off. The year, well, whatever, a year's nothing. Um, physical challenge, obviously, mental challenge, but it's also there's a subtlety to it, like there's a you know, there's a political piece there, like you know, yeah. navigating these, like, yeah, these the political ups and downs, you know, they have to be, you know, particularly in the storytelling piece allied with that. Like there's a lot of it's not just a pure like bashing thing, you know. It's, it's you a real documenting this as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Simone, who we talked about before, she's the she's the she's the filmmaker. How the hell? So how many days is this? A
0: year ish. Yeah, so yeah. how how you know you've got to recharge camera batteries, memory cards.
2: Number, number two priority every day after water and food is going to be keeping charged. And sure. how are you going to do it? How are you going to do solar? It? So you solar everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, be, I mean, it's just I mean, it just becomes like a literally a daily priority. Obviously, like the, the thing product. you're going to sit there with like a wind up battery or yeah. something. Trying yeah, to- yeah. I'd probably have that as a backup. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, it's one of the advantages of one of the great advantages of. How savage does this. So this. Let me, get, let me go. So basically, what, this, so this thing. Yeah, started it 2015. Uh, I came back from this first Everest expedition in absolute pieces. I was just so exhausted. Not just. I'd, 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 I'd underestimated how much I should never have tried to climb and manage the expedition as well. I was so shattered when we came back. We had a beautiful setup, like we had the most amazing base camp setup, but the psychological as well as physical stress of trying to manage it, as well as trying to get my head around trying to do this you know, it was my first time trying to do that. It was a massive step up, and I came back from it ill, exhausted, uh, just feeling kind of broken. Um, so then I started this day, and I broke up with my long-term girlfriend because I didn't want to go out there anymore. Um, uh, but you know, just basically living on the floor of a friend's apartment, pretty much penniless, uh, ill in New York, and it was just like crack on and started preparing this Congo expedition, but from a really low place, but I just had a gut feeling it was the right thing to do. And you know, psychologically thinking, this is my narrative arc, you know, I got rejected from the army, Um, I've gone on with it, you know, I've gone and done these expeditions, I've done them hard yards, you know, I've done them self-funded, I've just built experience, built experience, you know, Done this school in Kenya, just give me an insight into Africa and storytelling, done Everest. Now it's time to get it right. Like the final iteration of this model, do it right. And Congo is the one for it. Like it's destiny. This is my fate. And you think, okay, I'm going to bring everything I've ever learned together into one glorious finale. And then you did it right. So it had the first of all. It was a, you know the project. You know if you look at it from you know look at almost everything from almost from a marketing point of view. Like can you sell this because it has to. You know you've got to sell this to people, and the sponsors or broadcasters. Have you got sponsors for it? Well, I'll come. I'll come on to this, and this is all part of what's made this such a kind of insane personal experience. So many questions. So you got. <laughs> so you got this thing right. You got. You know, I'm coming to you. I'm saying this is a world class. This is a first. A world first expedition. Um, to to walk down the Congo River. Um, I'm being represented by this great agency that's renowned for activating around you know around uh, adventurous properties. I've got Robin Wright, the actress. She's going to be our you know she's our you know she's our um yeah she's our spokes- spokeswoman. She's going to do all the voiceover for our film and stuff. I've got this great team: Simone, Boston. Um, when you say film, is this getting published anywhere? Well, it's all part of the story. Oh, right. okay. so, so we put, we pulled everything together. to this great pitch, and you know, worked hard on developing. I had to, you know working with UN. So and, and the whole thing being a, a vehicle to tell these stories um, about. We decided we're going to focus on telling stories about women and girls. Uh, we have got UN Women to come on as our kind of uh, cause partner, um, and telling stories that are critical. You know, absolutely critical. Um, and. So, you got this package. You think, right, let's get out there. I'm going to put it, you know, I'm going to, you know, I know that I have to pitch 100 potentials to get a sponsor, two sponsors. I've done it before. I've raised money for Everest, which you, know, you shouldn't be able to do. Let's go and make this happen. And we could not get the bloody thing over the line. Um, partly that was because one of my goals, one of my goals in setting this up was. I had to put a budget line in there for my own pay. <laughs> like I kind of kind of yeah. like you know got through it for I got through it for you know however many years just kind of just get muddling through. I thought Toby, you like you I was up to forty years old. Like you need to work out if you can do this professionally. Like you should have a budget line in there. And it was about doing with the full agency backup. Like you know and want to do everything professionally. So you just pay everyone instead of having to beg you know beg someone to do your social. You got someone to do your social. You got someone to do your PR. You got someone to do your events. And we're just going to do it properly. But it meant for a much bigger budget. Um, Broadcast was definitely one of the key goals was to, was to, uh, was to get, um, you know, broadcast in there. And, you know, so the sponsorship side, it just was incredibly hard to get on to commit to the amount of money we're looking for, for that length. Like a year long is is good from an activation point of view in one sense, but equally, like big brands are going to struggle to see how you keep a story going for a year. Um, Congo then, while it's got great name recognition, on the flip side, obviously, as soon as you Google it, mm. people are thinking, particularly if you're committing half, looking to commit half a million pounds, which is what we were asking for at that time. There's massive reputational risk there for that amount of for that amount of money. Yeah. If it works out well, yeah, brilliant. But you know, if these, boy, if these boys, these boys, all get eaten by a crocodile. It could look bad for us. Yeah, it's, it's a risk, isn't it? From the broadcast point of view, so we got so Robin right. You know, from um, you know, from uh, you know, um, from House of Cards. Uh, she's been a great Congo ad- advocate for a long time, and I reached out to her rep and um, and said, "Look, this is what we're doing. We'd love to work together." And so she came on, and basically said, "You know, we'll would we'll, would we'll be executive producer for anything we broadcast. We should do voiceover. We should come out to Congo, hopefully, and join us in the la- in the very last, very last, very last piece." Um, and we had conversations with big broadcasters. I mean, you know, the kind of stuff where literally, if they'd said yes, we would been all guns blazing and they were long conversations like long really in depth and it went down with three particular, with three broadcasters it went down to the point where it was us and you know another project they were going to decide upon and three times in a row it, it went against us um, and it was i mean eviscerating like because again you I, I see in my mind like i see this is this is destiny right you just like this is all you all you have to do is do everything you've done well just at one level higher you're going to get that decision. Yes. You're going to go. And it's going to be, that's it. Like that's that pivotal moment. Like, it's, mm. you know, it's a career like any other, it's, you know, it's yes. the next career step. Yeah. It's like, it's going up to be CEO. It's going, whatever it might be. It's no different in a way. It's just self-defined. And yeah. And that was, you know, that, that was, um, I mean, eviscerating, like, you know, you think this, is it not my fate? Like, is this not my destiny? Like, yeah. And I, it was, you know, really came down to that. And, um, And, you know, we basically got it. So we pitched everyone, you know, there was no one left to pitch and, you know, all the broadcasters, like they've got, you know, you're done for that, you know, you're done for their editorial calendar for the year. So I kind of went away. Um, I had some stuff, other pressing stuff, I had to sort out family stuff. Um, And, you know, in that time away, I just came to terms with the fact that, you know, I had to kind of rethink how I was going to do it. What was the most important thing? Get it done. You know, second most important thing or equally most important thing was do it with a mission. Keep the mission. Getting paid screw it i'll get paid later who cares um big big you know big support team around me screw it i'll do what i've always done go out there and find someone committed who will do social media pro bono screw it um no big budget we'll just sleep rough every night for a year I've done it before you know so it was it, it was it was a mental shift from that to that from that from model that i'd set it up with and you know yeah. really well done to that and then i came back so six months ago i thought right it's not an expensive expedition, the actual like, core cost of the exhibition is, is very limited. It was actually yeah. the peripheral stuff, which I thought was critical. that was actually adds the, the financial burden. So, right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go back to, you know, go back to what's gotten you through 15 years and you're just going to do it again one last time for the real, for the one that's going to really make a difference. And you go back to what we said right at the very beginning of our chat about, you know, put us so focused in a way about how this was going to be part of a career path. You forget that you're going to have this, these thousands of experiences along the way. Yeah. You know that are going to make it define what it is, and it's, yeah. and it's not to say one shouldn't be practical about it because I should be thinking, of, you know, my age, yeah. so I need to be thinking a little bit about how am I going to set myself up. But I thought, just remember that whatever you know, whatever happens, get this thing done because it'll be life changing. So that's basically what happened. It's taken me this long just to kind of you know, I, I no longer work with my agency, um, just because I couldn't. I said, guys, I want to do it for, for 75 grand, I know this is a, it makes no business sense for you. And was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this, um, and strange as what, what happened was then the other t- twist in the tail was that so I've been doing been, work, been working doing lots of doing short lettings and um, we've done a bit of it here and there and suddenly realised I had good business potential and so I started
0: this with, the, with the short lettings though, the stuff yeah. like, were they are there properties that you own no okay rent, lease and sublet oh, okay right and you, do you agree that with them or, or not yes okay. yes
1: for the most part <laughs>
2: That's one of those questions that you have to go yes <laughs> yeah but but very much it's part of the evolution and part of you know part of a, a journey and why you know and why meeting richard was such you know uh, my my partner richard um was such a such a such a good timing um is because having spent so sort of, you know as i've been out repitching congo building this business building track record building understanding is you now it's just the right time to go out there and, and pitch significantly for, for significantly bigger properties where they're specifically looking for short letting people um and it's it's really interesting how it, i mean I, my other great love in life actually always has been design and creativity and i've yeah. done loads of house renovations and it was a chance to actually bring that plus just kind of attention to detail and rigorousness that I apply in, in expeditions into a completely different field. Yeah. But like we talked about how so often the characteristics that lead to success in this field are actually very similar to the ones that lead to success in this field and this field and this field. Correct. You know, you know, they're, they're just sort of yeah. the, the Nobel Prize for medicine was yesterday and it was so interesting hearing the stories of, from, the, from the winners and listening to them and thinking like behind the scenes, like they're obviously genius at what they do, but so much of what they've done it comes down to just bloody hard work, yeah. you know, and yourself here and, you know, what I'm trying to do. And it's very interesting how so much, you know, we talk about gear lists, you know, how I just, yeah, I'm just so obsessive about gear lists, which interestingly was the reason I got first got obsessed about gear lists was I saw the gear list of uh, Everest Summeteer, who was also a US astronaut. And okay. of course, if you're an astronaut, every microgram is weighed, right? Because you're yeah. not pushing one thing up into orbit, you don't have to. And he had done exactly that with his gear list. Everything was measured to the gram. And it's incredibly obvious when you're thinking about it. Yeah. But for me, it was such a revelation. And that's what I've done ever since. It was always about this absolutely to tw- an nth degree of detail that most people would think is obsessive and is obsessive. Mm-hmm. But then you suddenly realize that that is the blessing. If you can embrace that obsessiveness and the discomfort that comes with being obsessive. Yes that is the is is all the difference between success and failure like it's not rocket science like nothing which i'm proposing is rocket science it's just i'm going to do it better than anyone else like going to walk the congo is literally a year of walking right yeah. it's not rocket science but it is a lot of meticulousness on a and rigorousness on a, it's the day to day rigorousness i think yes. or I feeling I think uncomfortable monotonous. Or con- and, 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 and that's i literally did
0: a ted talk i did a ted talk a few years ago about the feeling of uncomfortable Okay. And just basically about how when you're in that state of being uncomfortable, yeah. that is where progression lies. Yeah, absolutely, And I, I preach it all the time. It's nice to hear it from someone else saying about yeah. it. And it's just people don't want to go into that uncomfortable, no. but uh, you know, and there's, I, I talk about it a lot and there's that whole lobster analogy, a lobster shell is hard and it grows inside out to the point where it's so uncomfortable. It has to go under a rock and shed that hard shell, be vulnerable to grow a new one and that just shows you that uncomfortable in that in that sense in that simple analogy and in life it just it, it hands down equates to growth if that's what you you're aiming for but people just shy away from that don't they it's just like you know i was talking about it when people feel uncomfortable they go to their doctors mm. or you know it, they go with it must be depression it must be mental health it must be this it must be that and it, 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 yes it can be in some cases but in, in in a lot of the cases it could just
2: be the fact that you're putting yourself to that next level mm. of where your potential growth absolutely. lies. Yeah. I mean, I, I, just, I had a good mate of mine who recently lost his job in ridiculous circumstances and put him, you know, someone who's had a de- absolutely stellar career path. Um, and put him for about eight days into a mega uncomfortable position until he realised that it was actually a massive blessing in disguise, and he was going to start his own company and um, and, and thrive in a way he'd never done before. But it came from a in, in that case it was where the bridges had been burnt for him. Um, but I said, "Man, listen, what you're feeling now is is such a valuable thing. Embrace it, use it. For me, it just I mean, you know, it's even like coming here today. There were certain things I wanted to get done for today that were probably not, wouldn't have got done to the end of the week at uh, the end of the month." And it said, "Mate, just you know, you've got to get them done by you, by the time you get on that uh, on that podcast this morning." And I, you know, just like, I had a million things to do, but it gave me an extra degree of focus to get them done by today. Yeah. And it was just like I think it's you know you see it with people who retire. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. I'll just i add that to the thing to talk about with my doctor. Um, he just keeps sending me texts to go and see him again. Um, I think it's when people retire. So you've seen it again. You know, people when people retire. How swiftly you see them go downhill because I think part of the human yes. condition is that you have to have a degree of Activity, degree of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is why I want to go and do this trip. Is like I mean, there's times, particularly in the last couple of years, when it seems so distant. I think, what am I doing? Am I really that? Am I capable of doing that? Um, but I know that I'm just. What's great is I'm just about capable of doing it. Like, and I'm always think it's my blessing. Is I've never been so I've never been so blessed with talent in any particular way that I've been but just been good enough that it's within reach.
0: I'm pretty sure a lot of people disagree. Maybe you're just hard on yourself. I am hard, yeah, no, for yeah. sure.
2: But also, I think it all comes down to aspiration as well. Like yeah. If I wanted to cruise, it, I probably would be. I'd be well let, you know, I'd be well sorted for that. If I want to excel, then I think I'm, I'm, I'm just just enough. I feel, I, and it's not. I think it's yeah. you know. I think one good thing about um, about this whole teary adventure, I, I don't think it has to necessarily be in a physical way, but it, you know, it is a great forum for for self-reflection. Like you do get to know yourself pretty well, and I do think that um, I don't have an awful lot of. You know, I don't think I have much illusion about myself, better yeah. or better or worse. And i you know, I think that's one thing I really want to commit to talking about over the course of this expedition, and then in, in retrospect, is the messy, painful, you know, doubting um, path that it has taken success. Because I think what's a problem, why it's so important that you talk about this, why I talk about this, why anyone who has succeeded talks about it in open and honest ways. It's very easy for someone to sit. And look at you as a, as a you know, on the pinnacle, mm, sitting yeah. there up on you, you know, having done an amazing job or that whatever sees, it might yeah, be, yeah. and think, oh, he must just be so brilliant and absolutely crushed it. But you, I mean, I, you know, I, I've never met anyone who succeeded who hasn't had this unbelievably torturous journey. Mm. Um, and of course, if you haven't had a torturous journey, you've missed out on something because it's there that like, you talk about. That's yes. where the learning is. But so I think you know, I really want to talk about that because I don't think it, I do reflect on this. Why me? Like when I look back at school, all those people I went to school with. Like a lot of them were, and I got into—I only got into the first fifteen rugby in the in the very last year at school, and it was funny because I—I suddenly thought oh, I've got to be fit. And this, bomb, this one guy, good mate of mine, who had been in the first fifteen for twelve years, and I knocked him out in the last year. But there were so many people there who were stronger and fitter than me. There are so many people who are better qualified to go and do this Congo expedition than me. You know, you think about—I've I mean, never done any kind of serious jungle training. Like every bloke in the army who's gone and done jungle trains, and paper better qualified. I mean, yeah. what is it that's taking me there? So I don't think it's any particular characteristics beyond perhaps like I said this instinct this this compulsion to do it Yeah. Um, but you, did, you did weird training didn't you Like, I'm going to say I widget. never got
1: to do jungle that's when I got to miss. I got, so I did mountain I did arctic i done like all the conventional warfare never got to do jungle but all you have to do is speak to anyone that's done it and they say it is Horrible. the worst place <laughs> in the world to operate <laughs> yeah. SF selection they say that is where more people fail like if you they, the, the rule of thumb is yeah. like if you pass the jungle like you, you're doing. You're, you've got a strong chance because after that, everything's just sort of like it is the most horrible and disgusting environment to work in. It's yeah. humid. Everything wants Rots. to kill you, yeah. and like yeah, it's just not a good place to be. No, no, absolutely,
2: it's like not to be underestimated. Not trying to, not trying to like yeah, to good you or anything. again, I think this is you know it's, it's going to be why it's such a such a massive mental game. I mean, I hate like I love. Winter, I love cold weather. I like, you know, I yeah. much prefer that climate. Um, you know, it's summer. You know, it's summer in city London is is not a fun time. I don't think. Um, no, no, but for it's me, hot. it's about you know mentally. I'm going to go into this, and and I've, I've spent summers in Delhi. I have spent, you know, but the difference is you going into it knowing you're going to sweat. Yeah. And I think mentally, I'm going to start that thing and go like, trust me, you're not going to be comfortable for a year. Just mentally get your head around there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part. It's not going to be you know. It's not going to be a you know. A, the only, you know, it's not going to make it suddenly easy, but you're kind of framing it in a different way. Um, so, yeah, and it's, and, it's, and it's partly just how much, and I, and I really think this last four years, it's brought, you know, it's just been, yeah, it will be four years from concept to, you know, to now. Um, and, you know, last year or so building this business, believing that it could mean that I could then under, so the idea is to build a business. Worst case, I could pay for it. Best case, I can at least underwrite it. So potential sponsors can have a, you know, a, no, it's, it's funded. So we have definitely got a go date. It was one of the problems when we had this massive yeah. budget, we couldn't give a definitive go date because, you know, until we got the title sponsor on board, you yeah. couldn't say yeah. go. There's, there's and so, you know, of- everyone wants to plan in their activation calendars. and It just became, it was catch 22. And there was nothing really we could do about it. This way I'd say, look, worst case scenario, I'll pay for the damn thing myself. I'm leaving. Um, I'm leaving first June, 2020. Are you on board? A, um, and it's much smaller amounts I'm asking for. So it's a much simpler, it's a much simpler ask. But it, it was, so this, but, you know, and so I started this business with the intention of being able to underwrite the expedition. But, you know, day in, day out for a year, I'm sort of, you know, doing bloody changeovers and, you know, driving laundry around and like cleaning toilets, like doing everything. I like, do, you know, right back at, you know, bottom level stuff. Now, my, my business still, you know, just... And it was, uh, you know, incredibly, incredibly difficult. But I do remember thinking, even with some degree of objectivity, like, mate, this is where you're putting those extra strands of steel into your spine because you get onto that trail, like, you, you're gonna, you're, they're going to have to bring you off dead before you stop. Like, that is my goal. I literally not stop unless I'm dead. You know, I mean, I've, you, know, you try, and it's hard impossible to say, but, like, I start that thing. I don't care. If I break my leg, I'm going to go and spend two months in hospital recover, come back on the trail, and keep going. Uh, whether i do in reality you know i have a horrible fracture maybe I'm like, oh fuck this i'm, I'm out of here yeah, <laughs> yeah. but in my mind like you know th- yeah, it, that's, it's, it, that's and in, in terms of how at least i'm gonna in my intention starting out like i've not gone through the last four years where it's been you know such anxiety like my whole you know it feels like my life is on this you know on this kind of you know, on this pivot here, you know, I'm, about, I'm making a hand symbol here for, for, for so listeners. For <laughs> listeners at home. They can see you, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> so, you know, but basically it's like, you know, your entire life, you know, you're, again, this is, at this age, like 40 years old, whatever you do now is going to set you up for, for the second half of your life. You cannot make any mistakes now. Um, and yet this thing that's been so important has been just so tantalizingly out of reach. Um and just to say, just thinking like but you just get to that start line and know that what you remind yourself of what you've taken to get to that point and it might well be that that's the one of the core blessings is that it gave you a resolve that yeah okay you wanted to do it before you're going to hit it with determination but you had no idea it was gonna be so bloody hard to get there and nothing is going to stop you oh fuck you know just you go through anything and it's that that brilliant quote about Hannibal or from Hannibal you know back in the when he did his elephant stuff, I'll either find a way or I'll make one. Yeah. Now my favorite one is like, you work it out. I don't care. Let's work it out. That's you know, But that that, that mentality there from an exploring point of view, an adventurous point of
0: view, is the same in business. Yeah. You find a way, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah okay, right. Like I've fallen, there's a hurdle. Yeah. I'll find a way to overcome that. Next one, next one. I call it being a fireman. I'm just putting out a little fire onto yeah. the next one. There's another fire. I'll put that out and I'll just keep on going. Yeah. And that's the same sort yeah. of mentality. That's the thing true. is, you're saying that you're on a pivotal point of saying that this is either going to happen, not going to happen. But when you get back going you've still got to get over mount everest <laughs>
2: yeah, so, I mean, this is, so, you know I probably, I, I, do, I probably do speak about in in a little bit too absolute terms like so I, I know that you know and it's part of it's like you know what i'll deal with that when i get there with if i have that un, if i have congo under my belt i reckon whatever i've got to deal with has got to be you know, it's to be easier, it's, it's going to make it easier right yeah and there's gonna be opportunities you know that um this is a good point obviously and then you think about that as a human what is going to be your like, do you ever get contented with... A, do you, are you ever happy with a period of contentment? Like, well, you're That's not, what I'm saying. What next? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, know. And, and I think... That's
0: you, what we say to... That's what we've been saying about these other guys as well that go and do crazy things. What happens when you've done that? What next? Are you going to sit there and go, this isn't, as, this isn't as mad as it was before? What next? Do you think you'll go for that?
2: I think partly... I think, honestly, I'll be happy to play that as I see it. Mm. Like if I come back and genuinely all... I, and I've got really good friends who, you know, mainly ex-army guys who have gone off and done, you know, fought in, you know, multiple tours out in Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, and who have just got real kind of adventurous spirit anyway, but who, when the time was right, said, now I'm going to commit to raising my family. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, but that was, the, that. F- there was no, yeah, okay, there's a bit of, yeah, there's part of them that would love to come and do this or that, but there's no real gut level fight with that. This is what they want to do at that time. Yeah. So I think there's partly just trusting instinct, what it says at that time. Um, I think it'd be, I think my hope would be at that point, it'd be easier to kind of get a balance. Um, I do want a family. I do want to get settled down, settled down in the sense of like having that kind of that home base. Um, I can't imagine that suddenly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to want to
1: do it. Yeah, exactly. You don't want, you know,
2: the terrace house, you know, you, you still want to have, yes, that, but still be able to go away and do. But stuff. If it, if it's almost like you look at that mm. as challenging of itself, mm. right? You think, okay, I want to have a family. I want to have, I want to be married. I want to have a family. I want to keep adventuring. Okay, hold on. A, you better make sure that the person you're with is at least broadly speaking in line, like you're what kind you kind of want to do yeah, yeah. life-wise, you're kind of on the same page. And, I, um, you know, then you go and, you know, Build a house in Kenya and live out there for a few years, or you know, you just make it so that you can mobile school, or you just you can use it almost as a as the prompt to be creative in how you create your life. Mm, yeah. Which almost, you know, in a way with the business is what appeals to me about this particular the business the model is that and what I don't want is to create a model where I'm being paid for my particular skills. I'm paid, you know, basically my money on this business model is I'm paid for spotting good properties make sure I do a brilliant creative job on them, if I say so myself, but, you know, doing a good creative job on them, setting up a management structure so they can be maintained at exceptional quality. I can walk away at any point yeah. and it manages it without me. Correct. Um, everyone's like, oh, tell totally, you know, you should set yourself up some interior design. It's like, And I'm, you know, I think I'm quite good at it. I probably could, but I know at that point, someone's paying me personally to to do a job, right? And that doesn't work in terms of how I envision my life. You're paying for Uh, your
0: time, your hours, rather than paying for, you know, a broader picture or something where you don't need to be involved directly. So my thing, I think, think, you know,
2: my thing, I think it's, it's, if people are asking for my advice on anything, it's quite often about take the time to, you know, it's so hard when life is moving at such a pace. If you can take the time to take a step back, and just look like try and get a vision for your own life and people don't talk about it enough I don't think about trying to envision what kind of life you actually want to lead and then uh, reverse engineer to the point where you are and how do you create that Um, and a genuine honesty with what it is you want not influenced by what your friends are doing not influenced what society is saying and just and and you know I'd love there's part of me that would love to you know there's part of me that would love to live out in the countryside and stuff you know, I love I miss that kind of rural life. But I equally that's, know that's like
0: me. I absolutely love Scotland. I just yeah. think the Highlands is nothing like it. You know, I'm four and a half hours away from the city if I ever have to be. Yeah. And there's a big part of me that sits there and thinks, Why not? Yeah. And I've been in the city, I've been trading, I've been doing this now for ten years and i have not done as much exploring or much traveling i've done i've done some crazy things you know i swam the solent for charity that was quite nuts i've done this whole ben nevis thing i've done the half marathon i should probably go and do the full marathon i go and do things like that but absolutely nothing in comparison to but like what you're saying it's like a touch a speck of a dust I'm not sure anyone's
1: done much but of i,
2: I, I go back yeah. to what you're saying i, th- I think but in terms of you know, and I don't, I don't know if there was a but there when you obviously it's been you're thinking, like, you know, I'd love to go and live in Scotland, but there's part of me that thinks I would love to go and live in Scotland or Wales or France or whatever. But I feel the need to be in a place where I'm going to be forced to be better and engage with people who are doing good things. And longer term, I don't think I can just disengage from the world. Mm. Um, you, know, where, you know, there's part of me that would wouldn't necessarily Walk, you know there's potentially strangely someone who just hates who's actually very private hates kind of really being doesn't really like being in public you know i had thought about whether there'd be a role for me in you know in public you know in, in politics you know yeah. at some point
0: um i've also looked into politics and um looked well i'm very pro green party mm-hmm. or well I'm, i wouldn't say actually i'm pro any party i'm pro looking after the planet rather than anything else I think politics has lost its way however looking into politics and talking to some of the people that are quite high in politics um and I do have um high contacts both in the conservative party both in the green party and you know what I almost feel like it's a wasted fight And I feel like I could make much more difference by being a very successful businessman and then going to do my own thing. And that's hence why on Overwatch I started my own charity and putting my own efforts into making a difference, looking after um, um, endangered species of animals and um, trying to eradicate single use plastic as much as I can and starting to make a small difference. And I think like you can spend all the time in the world in, you know, in politics and debating, and it's just like when I used to work, I used to work at a private bank called Sahoran & Co. Private Bank. And that business model I left there, I loved the bank. It was like working in Hogwarts out of Harry Potter. It was an old school bank. We spent most of our time debating what we were going to do in a meeting rather than actually doing it. Mm. And when I left that, I said, no, any decision that we have or any staff has that we want to take an idea forward, we'll sit down within one week, we'll discuss it, and if it's a good for the business, we take it forward. Because the world moves so quick now. we can't, You can't you can't have these debates that last six, 12 months mm. because by the time that <laughs> happens, it's old news, yeah. just yeah. like Brexit. It's old news now, yeah. and what was discussed back then is, is now outdated. Is
1: yeah. There's so many things now that are relevant on our timeline. Technology I was, I was reading an article the other day and they were talking about um it's all to do with like business business management advertising. And they're saying that by the time you finish your first year of like, you know, business marketing and stuff like that, <laughs> it's now out of date by the time your five year degree is finished. So your first <laughs> year is <laughs> yes. redundant. Yeah. You like going? What's the point of degree? What's
0: the point? Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's what I got told when I did my degree in marketing and advertisement. They were saying, by the time you finish your third year, what you've learned in your first will be outdated. And it's just like that kind of that kind of context. Now, I'd rather just take action rather than yeah. speed, be that guy debate. I've got to a question. Did you raise the amount that you needed to start your trip? Uh, no, not yet. No, no. You're not yet? No, yeah.
2: we're we'll getting we'll, no, we'll get back out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, so. when's,
0: when do you plan on starting? Uh, 1st
1: of June, 2020. I've got so many questions about your trip, just from a military perspective. I'm just looking at it. Yeah. Have you got any sponsors on board yet? Yeah. I've got a number of partners. Yeah. Um,
0: Have you not reached out to like Bremont or anything like that? uh, It
2: it was more, it was, it's more, it was more about, and it's, it's more about now going back with these much lower tier asks. You know, the difference was we went out to these big brands. Yeah. Bremont, yeah. Really nice. Love, yeah. Love the English brothers. Um, Bremont, because um, Bremont, they
0: was doing the one with the Mount Everest yeah. guy
2: that was climbing. What's his name? Yeah, got through dark guy. Yeah, that's
0: what. XBS
1: guy. Through dark. Oh, you have got exactly through dark. Yeah, that's yeah. all. they... Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through dark. I won't pay him for that because I showed it to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's
0: obviously from those guys. And They they, they sponsored with yeah. Bremont and stuff yeah. like that.
1: Well, they did my Bremont did my 75th anniversary watch, so I got the limited edition. No, I'm, I'm not wearing it. today. completely didn't
2: realise. <laughs> just they do did, they did the military branch of a completely yeah. special edition so they do so much like yeah it was I mean you know, as I'm sure you know like when you actually when you're when you're looking at kind of major six figure budgets which we were back then there aren't a lot of companies that really have that kind of marketing spend so I think you know we, I raised two forty thousand dollars for the two Kenyan Air Force expeditions all of them are from Kenyan based companies not one of them did I meet in person Really? Before. What? I was just, yeah, not one. That I would never have thought
0: internet. that. So we just was
2: like, right, we're going to every say, single company and, in Kenya, and, and they yeah. trust you. Yeah, for their fesses. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It was. No, was I'm not saying that you're not no, trustworthy. No, no, no. I'm no, no, like, you, you imagine someone amazing. sending
0: me an email saying, "By the way, can you send me two or <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, it, it was. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was 120k each one, and we got. Well, apart from the last one, which was a a a beer, a well-known beer brand in Kenya is owned by a well-known international beer uh, alcohol firm, which, you know, might work with it sometime in the future, so I'll keep stum. but they were a bloody nightmare to work with. And we literally, Steve and I, were in a taxi outside our Nairobi hotel, waiting late to go to the airport to get a flight to Kathmandu. I was knackered already because I was running around like a blue-ass fly for two weeks, um, waiting for them to bring the signed contract and a 15-foot um you know, Check. plasticized canvas yeah, yeah. banner of the brand. Just that, literally it rocked up on, on the back, it rocked up a motorcycle courier through Nairobi traffic, like rush hour traffic. He came up, scribbled my signature on that one. He gave me their signed copy. And that, they, they were literally threatening to pull out like two days before. This was 15K. It wasn't make or break, but it was, certainly would have meant I'd had to go into my own pocket for it. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was, I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was, it was, it was, it was, It was. What it, I think it was what I it didn't, it, it, although it was quite a lot in total, it was done over, it was a lot of smaller chunks. Um, and so I literally, I mean, I just tend talking talk to Richard, like I've just taken my time, wanted to get the business set up and running. And I'm just going back to start pitching. I'll pitch it all out before the end of the year because we're looking for, yeah, 2020 budget. So um, that's 75K in total, like that's all it is. Um, it was 750 when you're looking at.
0: Have, eight, you, have you got percent. any raise or backers on board yet?
2: They've got loads of loads of uh, in kind support. A right. brilliant, um, most invaluable thing that I have is a uh, is a satellite partner for So we have unlimited satellite communications. So key part, like I told you, is telling the that's stories. Good. I mean, that's 60, that's 60, seventy thousand pounds worth of satellite yeah. comms um, right off the bat. Um, and, it's, like and again, it's all there it was. a lot of stuff we weren't taking in kind donations. Like we were not going to take gear supply. We were not going to take anything yeah, like that because it, it was makes like a we difference, We right? basically set we set it was it was and it was partly me as well. And it go back to. You know, uh, we just like everyone is going to pay. If you want to be part of this, we've set up at this scale, we've committed at this level, but everyone has to put cash in. It was just a principle we agreed. We agreed on myself and my agent in the agency, and it was one that we agreed on. We felt that we had the right package to put it together, and it meant that we didn't take. You know, there's 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 several kind of key brands that would have brought. You know, if you're looking at seventy five to eighty k budget, you get in fifteen k worth of gear. It suddenly is actually a valuable part. If you look yes. at seven fifty k budget, it's not worth the hassle of managing those smaller brands correct at that level so it's just a different picture um i've got no i mean it was more about those new i mean, there's the people who i would like it, it, i mean gear wise it's it's kind of self it's either these ones or nothing at all because yes. it, you, you're not going to there's certain stuff like you just will not substitute yeah uh, i mean there's stuff even if they were i mean shower raven is is you probably know the, the the um the outdoor brand yeah um i mean i will whether they sponsor me or not that's what we're that's what we're taking for, for our apparel I mean there's yeah. no this stuff is amazing I mean it's just bulletproof um, hopefully they'll pay for it um, G- if they- give, give them a shout wow. out Fial Raven, I absolutely love you guys your guys your stuff is bulletproof is uh, it actually, actually bulletproof <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's snake proof and that's probably more critical more <laughs> and, uh, and when, you, when you when you talk to him you'll like I've already
0: mentioned him on a podcast absolutely so there, you go, you go. Uh, uh, there you go you've got uh, that plug already going uh, <laughs> mark as well yep yeah. We're we're um, and we're more than happy to um, you know if you when you go through that phase of where you're going through the razor let me know. I'm I'm board. I'm happy to help people oh. that are exploring. And even right. if you want from a publicity point of view, if I'm talking about your story and all the rest of it, yeah. again, I love that. Yeah,
2: and yeah, and you know, and, and, you know uh, from your from your adventurous point of view, obviously, you'll uh, you'll not any more than welcome, but kind of obligated to come and join me on the on the trip for, for a portion. I, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm there. There's two, there. two really good sections, right? There's two really good sections. Um, is it one where there's no AKs chasing? <laughs> <laughs> can I go to that one? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can either come. What would be really exciting, what would be fun, would you come out at the beginning of the trip? And as we – so we fly in, it starts in uh, the, the river. Well, there's there's – the Congo is just – if you look at the, the the tributary network that feeds into the Congo, it looks like you know the kind of the veins in your, in your hand yeah. or something. But the one we've chosen is the longest tributary. Um, some people define the the source tributary is the one with greatest volume. We've decided it makes more sense. We're walking the length of it, find the one which is the very longest, and it's a it, you know it's literally a uh, it's a it's a, a dribble of water up in the Zambian Highlands. Um, there's a brilliant uh, you know brilliant. Uh, if you want to look at a, a, a fantastic expedition, it's a guy, a guy called Phil Harwood, who's a ex Royal Marine, who's uh, solo canoed down the Congo river, down that path. And he literally, if you go look on his, you look look him up online. There's a little bit, you can see the YouTube video. There's a brilliant book. Um, uh describing his trip and but it's a fantastic well, he's literally at, he finds the source of the river and it's in this bush it's literally in a bush and it's it's a it just gently bubbling out of the ground and that is the source of the congo river right there and he actually because he's doing a canoe he has to bush i don't know how far down the river he has to go before it's actually big enough for him to be able to put his to canoe in. On that, yeah. um but it's pretty amazing and then and that's it it starts there so you're going up there you've got to find a village you've got to say hey guys i heard the congo river starts around here somewhere can you can you point me in the right direction this is sick, yeah, yeah, mate. I mean, I honestly, watch it, watch this. I, mean, I will watch, watch it this. when we're not online, but <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it's yeah. fat, and the book is brilliant because it's you know what's so good about that is that have you know, thought, have you thought of like
0: reaching out to people like um, Foxy did uh, from SASU who Dares Wins, just did uh, what did he do he did the whole uh, Yukon River did he yeah yeah th- and yeah.
1: He didn't, was, didn't they, yeah. a team of them did
0: um, there was bears there there's you know Yukon River they did that yeah. they, they, how
1: much so, he's done a few though because he did something mad with um, a couple of marine I swear they the did, did the Atlantic the, didn't they
0: or something yeah and uh, like some no, others yeah, Ant- did um, Everest no, Yeah, yeah. we well, did yeah. the thing where it was um, it was in that bloody rowing boat wasn't it? Yeah. he documented <laughs> oh, it as oh,
1: um, on channel 4 it's called uh, mutiny, mutiny. That's no. the, the, yeah, um, mutiny.
0: He was taking the old, um, the old captain's route where they got yeah, they got what? overthrown, Captain, didn't they? Blythe, yeah, Captain Blythe. Blythe, yeah, you got a good memory there, mate. Captain Blythe, yeah. Oh, where he got overthrown by his, um, He got overthrown by all the support staff on the boat, and he got thrown off with about eight officers. And it was in a rowing boat in the middle of the ocean, and they had to find their way to shore. Amazing. And it's about his journey of it was reliving like 3,000 miles, wasn't
1: it? Like that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: And they were, they were in a rowing boat. There's sharks coming up. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're dodging reefs at night. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. crazy. Like, Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you reached out to someone like him and said, "Fancy joining him on a three thousand
2: mile hike?" You might not join the whole this, stretch, but the it part, would the, do part the part, you know, I tell you, since you know, like most, I guess, like most people, that you don't like, you, like you, you want to talk. If you want to talk about anything. Like, and I think it's a very British thing, like you just don't talk too much about what you like. It's not. It, okay, yes. so the goal is to try and do something. Okay, my goal is, I don't know, I'm not going to strap to anyone. My goal would be to do something good and basically keep your, your, your trap shut, right? And the weird thing about going out and pitching an expedition you haven't done yet is you have to go out there and say, oh, "I'm going to go and do this." Yeah, I, you know, yeah, and I've been doing yeah, this, you know, and, yeah. and it's been, you know, and the fact that I've done it, it's been taking such a long time is that almost come back. All I want to do is just kind of quietly go off and get it done. Yeah. you know, just shut up and go and get it done and i yeah. still got to, you know, to an extent I have to still kind of talk it up about just because I've got to get this little bit of money in place but I've almost deliberately just kind of kept a fairly low profile with yeah. it and not reached out to a lot of people because so I kind of just want to go and just get on with it. Yeah, you no, know? yeah. I, I, I was amazed looking at your
1: social media and I was like, this guy's doing this and I was like, unless you delve quite deep, you wouldn't like it's not like bam, we're doing this. It's start date. It's not. You're not thrown out there.
2: Well, so I've I, 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 I gone look at the dates and I stopped. I mean, yeah, I, 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 know I, I say, you know what? I just I can't be doing with the. Uh, it just a just it just you just can't I, I just felt like just running. There was not, I didn't have anything to say. Literally, it didn't I felt like I didn't have anything to say. And at that point, I think there is now an industry now with a definite departure date. I think I'd love to delve back into that. But there's definitely part of me that thought I just can't keep talking. I just can't be talking. Yeah. You know, I hate the talk, you know. it just yeah, I, you know. Yeah. I, I my people who small talk is shit. It's yeah. Like, it's like, it how is. I? yeah, I'm good.
0: No one wants to talk about something. That I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do that. And then it never freaking happens. And yeah. then they don't. you just want to get on, do it, and talk about afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you've got the experiences, you've done it, you've actually got something to share. That whole build-up of the the potential. What well, I like, though, what you just said, you probably have not realized. You said, I do have my departure date, I'm going. And when I said to you, have you raised the money? You're like, no. Yeah, sorry in your mind you already have, you're already there. Well, you the the, the difference
2: the is knowing through the business, I can fund it myself. Yes. That's the thing. And okay. I think being okay. able to go to potential sponsors saying we are going now, it's just a whole different conversation. We are going it was, do you want to be yes, a part. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and and it's just like, look, it's twenty five K, it you know, they say, you know what, we'll take a punt on it, it doesn't work out. It what hasn't sunk us for the, hasn't sunk our budget for the year. No. And I, you know, it's, it will just disappear, whatever. Half a million like my nice <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, and come, people ask a lot of questions. It's a board, it's it's a board level decision out. as well. And I, and I know at least two major potential sponsors where they were super excited at every level up to you know marketing director, went to the board, they'd nixed it there. Two big brands. And they were, you know, it's great. It was a really good fit. It just made total logical sense. Mm. And they didn't disagree with it, but they said, you know what? It's just not for us. This is not for us. It just, you know, why take the chance? We can go and spend it on something that's maybe not quite as exciting on the top of it, but we don't have the risk on the on the downside. Yeah. And that's mm. you know, and you get that. Whereas you know, and that's why with you know with the with, you know we had two failed Everest expeditions, um, not one of our sponsors quibbled over you know what happened. You know they they understood the risk. It was a you know, it wasn't a chump change, but it wasn't. Yeah, like, it's hard it, to it was, argue that sixteen
0: people died. You know, no, you, can't, you can't exactly. be like oh, you guys went out. There's yeah, nothing no, like no, that. There was no
2: sort of like it's oh.
0: factual. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: I I think I think, I think and, and what was actually a really good takeaway from that was actually that myself Mike and Steve who was the core team Steve being the canyon client, might be a really good mate of mine who married my who married uh, the girl I ran ran away to Africa with um, oh, no. I was his best man at his wedding so it, 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 trust me, it all worked out really <laughs> well it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked I mean, out actually, really well
1: I was going to ask that but I thought I was like were you invited yeah <laughs> I thought that was like, really harsh you weren't just invited you were the best man
2: yeah it was good it was a good call it was a that good was a great speech. speech yeah it was it was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. Um, <laughs> if I, if I'm course. sure people can hear me through my tears. Um, yeah. um, of joy, of course. Yeah, joy, of exactly. I'm so, so happy for the fucking bride. Yeah. Um, I went to <laughs> yeah. oh My God. So, um, yeah, so we sat down and we, we like, there's... You know, if you do read like, about Everest, it, there is there are these stories about people who have just shed their humanity in their quest for the summit. Like, and it, they, again, they're quite often o- overblown. But we just sat down and said, no matter what, we want to do the right thing. Like, if that means we don't summit this year, then that's the way it is. We want to walk away with our re- not just reputation, not about reputation. It's about like we in ourselves, the three of us sitting here that we can look ourselves in the eye and say we did the right thing there. Um, and so we had this horrendous morning. Um, and we were sitting there having Mike and I. Steve was still asleep because he slept all the time. Um, Mike and I were sitting out having coffee on a beautiful day, um, and just saw this huge avalanche come off. There's a comes up. Comes there's a there's a big hanging glacier there, and this massive lump of ice just came down onto the ice wall there. And um, and I thought, ah, that doesn't look good. It's dreadful time. Couldn't have happened the worst time. And um, and just you had the radio. Had a radio there. Just put it on the. Turned it on and listened to the comms in there. And. Yeah, and then instantly just knew that it would just be the worst possible. It just couldn't be been worse. It just couldn't have been worse. Just to hit this party right in the middle of them. Um, and, and you and, just witnessed that whole thing. Yeah, and then we just said, like, I mean, it's like we, you know, we thought, okay, look, chance are, it's never happened. There's no precedent for um, for, for a season being cancelled. Um, it has huge, you know, from top level down, it has huge financial implications for Nepal. Like it's a huge revenue earner for them. Mm-hmm. So like, they're not going to, Officially cancel the season without huge uh, pressure.
0: Was there rescue teams
2: and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah everyone, I mean it's one of the you know there's it, it, such camaraderie up there. Um, I mean we so we just sat. We, there's nothing really we could do. Like we just sat and kept out of the way. Like, our, we had this, we went as a really small team. Like we hired our own, uh, you know, three guides. Um, uh, Were you far away from it? <sighs> probably half a mile, maybe it's hard to tell. I come in that line oh, yeah. of sight, not far. We were, we, were, there's, we were much. We were quite close to the the snout of the icefall. Like every space camp, it's it's massively like eight hundred meters or something long. We were right up close to where the icefall comes down. Um, but I mean, our guide, like our guides, all, everyone, all the gu- you know all the kind of Sherpas, all the guides, immediately down tools, and everyone just legged it up there to help. The people who were up above Jeez. came down. The helis were flying in, and there was a very experienced. Um, guy, uh, Kiwi, uh, basically expedition leader, super experienced, who basically coordinated the whole thing. Everyone just down tools and just went for it. But I mean, it was just such a close community. You've got I can't. Uh, there was there, there were people whose cousin, our, our small team of three Sherpa guides, like they lost. A cut, if I remember cut one cousin and one uncle was killed um, and just people that have known they climb with for years you know best yeah. mates it is I mean like hey, did they you know, know they were sat below like a, a, you just know it's, 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 it's what you talk I mean it's like they talk about it being the most dangerous part of the route because it's just Russian roulette just Russian you know just bad luck you in the wrong place at the wrong time. Did um, you have I mean, to set camp there? saying they're walking through it. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're walking through and it's, you know, there the chances be... of that? <laughs> well, so I think, I mean, it's it basically, it's, it's um, you, you know, you can decrease the risk by moving fast and you get up, you know, you go super, you never walk through after, I mean, they were right towards the end of the window, but they're also very close to the top. Um, you know, you should be out there by 6am or something. As soon as it starts warming up, ice starts melting, yeah, things start yeah, moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, much less chance when it's frozen solid at night um so it doesn't happen very often but these these huge like it's almost like imagine like a huge rotting teeth of ice yeah in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in the ice floor, and just inevitably and, and the guys that set the route will find the best route and possibly the only route through it and it's different each year but it's always going to be threatened by this cliff here um i mean you know 10 minutes later we would have we would have just hit empty hit hit empty rope. Yeah, um, ten minutes earlier hit an empty rope. Um, it just literally just came just straight to chance. this group, and um, so yes, yeah, so we kind of knew. I mean, I think Was we. Were there any I mean, survivors or not? Uh, of that group, I think it. I honestly can't remember. Like out of that group, whether you know tail ends or you know front front people or tail ends who didn't get hit. Um, but sixteen were killed. Shh. Um, and. We didn't really think or talk much for the first six hours. Everyone was just, just watching everything, you know, keeping out of the way. If you couldn't yeah. help, just keep it out of the way. Sometimes um, that is
1: helping, isn't it? Just yeah, going out exactly. There was nothing
2: just- we could do. And we knew that the best thing we just don't get in the way of a massive rescue operation, um, rescue. And in the end, it was mainly body recovery. But, um, and then, but, uh, you know, by the afternoon, um, you know, things had settled down a bit. The bodies were recovered. Everyone had been accounted for. Um, and we just were sat around and honestly, guys, this is, there is no way. I, the, this is going to close things down. This isn't like other day. This nothing's ever happened like this. Had yeah. it been a mixed group, maybe it would have been different. The fact that it hit to the heart of the whole Sherpa community, um, yeah. We said we would, what we said is we will let our guides take the lead. Whatever they want to do, we will do. If they say fuck, we'll crack on. We'll do it yeah. regardless of what happens on the bigger picture. But that night they came. No, that no. This that that next morning, that night they were just incoherent, um, just you know so upset. And the next morning they came in and we talked and they said, look, we just. Please don't ask. Us. Please don't ask us to carry on. Like they would have done had we said, uh, okay. uh, and we said no. It's more like our respect. and, yeah. and we were then. We were out of there in two hours. <laughs> we packed up and we legged it down and um, got out. And that was it. It was an easy decision. Um, and at the end, it would have. It was moot because it got closed down anyway. But we would made that decision based on the fact that we wanted to. We'd rather come back next year with you know uh, kind of the way that we did. Wanted. that not put you off. Honestly, it's weird. Like it just it feels very. It's Do you just just, think psychologically it's, it's just very? It just, just, I don't, I, I, I just, just don't engage with it as a thought, and it sounds, and it's not being callous. I can't stand that, um, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, we we would have carried on. I think if they had said that's fine, we would have, we would have carried on and probably walked through there the next next day, um, or whatever it would have been. But it's weird. It's a really weird frame of mind, to be honest, because it's a very frightening environment. I mean, it's you know, there is a real sense that. um you know something bad could happen at any time yeah um so it's it's very it definitely very you're very conscious of it and very scared um and even day to day and even when you're in the safety of base camp although that's a, the year after a, good, a friend of mine was was killed in base camp um by an avalanche was set off by this earthquake so even there actually it turned out you weren't really that safe but even there you've always got the sense of like the altitude potential for altitude sickness and yeah you never really feel safe um, but but there's also a part of you that just kind of, you know, you bracket off that you piece. understand you you yeah. go into it understanding there is an inherent risk that yeah. you're in a more dangerous scenario than you But there's also that thing which, there's also that piece which must just be human psychology, must be what you know, soldiers take into all it's not gonna happen to me.
1: Yeah. Well that's yeah. what I was just thinking of.
2: I it
0: sounds bad saying a slight bit of arrogance is actually not not a bad thing.
2: It's, it's. totally, but it's totally logical because you know, yeah. you know, your skill or lack of it is not going to, you know, that unlucky bullet is not going to stop It's likewise, the same, you know, it's yeah, the same yeah. as you know,
1: you look at, yeah, you, know, you compare it to an IED, yeah, you know, like roadside bomb. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't. If it's hidden, yeah, like it's there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just sheer luck mm. and and sheer misfortune yeah. that it hits you, and that's, it's the same thing. Like yeah. what you were saying there, it sounds like it's like okay, this makes a lot of sense. It's like you're in an environment that you know is dangerous something horrendous has just happened. You know yourself, you have a purpose to try and complete this. Is it, you have to make a logical decision, right? Yes, okay, something unfortunate happened, but do I have to carry on and do this
2: or is the right move to, you
1: know, yeah, to, to withdraw to, to, and then, you know, yeah.
2: reassess, re-engage and then something, come back? Like, let's talk to Congo. Like, I mean, This is, you know, honestly, like talk about I would have to be dead before I didn't complete this thing. Why, why is that? Because I think what's, the, you know, what am I going to come back to? What's, you know, what you know at what point do you just make a stand and say I'm going to finish this you now what point in your life do you say and what better opportunity are you going to have to say this is a thing I do not back down from you know and what point you know if you're not here where yeah you know and it's that thing it's like and again it's easy to say this now and I'm conscious that things look very different if you've just had a, you know you just had a you know you just lost your hand in a machete someone just chopped your hand off but at least in your mind you think you know what if I can you know if I can get through it I'm going to keep going and that and that's when you look at and you do look at people who have done things and they've got through some incredible stuff if you've gone into it with the right mindset. You know, worst case scenario, you imagine, okay, you know, I've got a team of four. What happens if someone gets killed? You know, whether, you know, they might drown, they might get sick, they might get, you know, hit by, you know, hit by a charging hippo. Um, in my mind, we grieve and we carry on. That's how I look at it. And I will prepare them, you know, if something happens to me, like you make a decision, guys, like whatever you want to do, but do not stop on my account. What um, you said earlier so, about the yeah.
0: whole if you get bitten and all the rest of it, mm. shoot me kind of thing.
2: Well, I mean, it, it, I mean it's what I mean, it genuinely, like, it's the very few things that I actually like in terms of risk, there's very few things that I, I engage with psychologically, particularly because of this trip, like, whatever risks, like, in terms of um, how to, uh, to to minimise those risks, and my mind is like, wait until you're three months out, really, you know, whatever it is, and then start to engage with it. Right now, you've got to get, you've got to fund the bloody thing. But, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like, I know they're the risks. I'll deal with on. it. I'll deal with it in turn. Don't waste mental energy on it now. But having read this article, this horrendous article about this poor scientist who That's died, it, in, just, you know. it just, it just, it hit me viscerally, and it was just something. It's a bit like you know things that scared me on climbing. Was um, I had a very nasty episode with pulmonary. What I thought was pulmonary edema, um, where you can't breathe, like yeah. right? Your lungs fill with fluid, and it, it turns out it wasn't, but it was absolutely terrifying for about twelve seconds. But I thought I was dying. It was just it was really weird. Um, or getting, or, or getting, um, you know, getting uh, hit by, you know, getting uh, buried in an avalanche. Like right? honestly, the honest yeah. two because they're both you know, suffocating, right? Yeah, and so I think that's why viscerally, like that, that like I, the the you know snakes per se don't bother me. in This light. It's like you know nice fuzzy anaconda or ever because they're not going to poison yeah. you it's just the thought of these these things and that for me has always been the super visceral one that i you know does i do have nightmares about um the other stuff you know why you i think you know fear you know fear is a great there's a great there's a great some saying that fear you know let fear be your guide um and i think and that, i interpret that to mean like let fear kind of motivate you to do whatever so you know wear good boots get kevlar laced you know get kevlar you know uh you know, trousers with a little bits of Kevlar wiring through it. Mm-hmm. You know, think. You know, let it be a uh, let it be an impulse to to think these things through and work yeah. out how to mitigate these risks. Um, it's logic. And there's that you know, the climbing. They you know, there's climbing. There's they talk about objective risk, which is the risk you cannot um, completely eradicate. Right. So the Everest, you know, the ice These guys all. I, I have no idea how many summits they had between them. They probably had thirty, forty summits of Everest between them. Right. So they all yeah. were bloody good climbers, super yeah. experienced, and it killed sixteen of them because they were just incredibly unlucky. But there's no way, there's nothing they could have done, as far as I know, that could have lessened that risk. They just got yeah. shitty unlucky. Okay. So I think that's the point as well is accepting. And it's, a, it's a, you know it's, it's accepting a degree of objective risk. Um there is a great climber, um got can't remember his name. Uh he's an American climber is the first American climber to climb all 14, 8000 meter peaks without oxygen. And he got to he'd he done 13 of them and there's this mountain called Annapurna where there is a huge degree of objective risk like, and no matter how good you are you still have to basically run this avalanche gauntlet oh, and you know. can get better like, you can reduce the risk by timing it right and doing it fast and fit but he yeah. just he he was super just you know what he despite what he did he's a super cautious climber he climbed he you know he he uh you know he really sort of uh, pushed the concept of um like the summit should be like the, the you know the goal is is always get down safely. And the climb he always really regretted was where he pushed on beyond what he should have known to have been a stopping point on K two. He somehow didn't got down okay, but he knew he was way, way, way out over, you know, on the on a on the end of a limb. And so on this climb he he almost said like I, I might not do my fourteen because this is beyond what I consider to be reasonable degree of risk because he'd degree and that's that risk you couldn't he couldn't uh he couldn't uh reduce in any way. So you go into it and you say, you know, yes you get you get unlucky. Um, we do everything right and you can still get unlucky, um, but we can still do everything right. You can still do everything. You know, it's the classic one. You can do everything right and get hit by a bloody car and yeah. you know, crossing the yeah. road. And, oh, yeah. and it's not, and it's not as, it's not as simple as that because, you know, it's a very, very low risk of doing that. And, you know, I think it's potentially where the seriousness is like, if something does go wrong, you are very isolated. Um, and, you know, so we can't, unfortunately, like there is no solution to a snake bite really. I mean, there are some, are you are you held accountable for that? Like, did you, if you know if if she shot you like? Yeah, well, I, I mean, she wouldn't tell anyone. All oh, right, so it's just. <laughs> well, she can tell someone well, like cut this, <laughs> oh, this bit, cut this bit. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, longer. I mean, we know that. No, I <laughs> mean, it was, it was, it was done. Amazing. It was semi. It was it was obviously it was some humane, joking, but at the same time, yeah. it was, you know, it was It's probably the humane thing to do. Yeah, it, it was honestly. It just, it, of course, you wouldn't want to. You, you know, you wouldn't want to be shot, and you wouldn't want to die at all. But it was just it, for me. that's it's like almost like the worst case scenario. Like you were lying there, actually quite okay, but you can feel it, it was it was the way this doctor described. Like, I don't know. It, his, his whole decision making was really weird. So the whole thing's a bit odd. But he was he, he got so basically what happened. He came. He got up in the morning, and he went into their their their, their base camp tent, and there had been guys out at night collecting snakes, and they put them in these big canvas sacks. And they get sorted and whatever they do with them, right? Yeah. And anyway, so but there's you know you the procedure is you always visually identify what's in the snake in the bloody bag right first. But he asked his colleague what's in there. He said it's an X, which is non venomous. So he just stuck his hand in to grab the snake, and it bit him. And it wasn't X. <laughs> it was uh. it was its close cousin Y, which looked very similar but was deadly poisonous. So he got bitten, but um, then he waited half an hour to see whether it was you know because there's a much low, like a fairly low percentage of bites are actually inject venom. Yeah. So he waited to see whether the venom was actually having an effect, and he could feel it. He can feel it. Yeah, yeah, coming going through up your, your arms, you know, it's almost like when you go under arm. like local or something yes, like Yes, exactly. That. Yeah. Um, and then the whole setup, like they had no, they, so they had no. So like I told you, they had to artificially rest, artificially respirate the guy once he lost the ability to breathe himself. But they had no. It would normally be standard practice to have a an artificial lung there. So I mean, a mechanical lung. So the least yeah. it could be done methodically. They had no antivenin. Um, they had, um, and it was and it was very much you know exacerbated by bad luck. So they sent a runner eight miles to the nearest military base to get an evac uh, from there they would not launch a helicopter until they could confirm his status. So the guy had to run eight miles back, right. say yeah he's dying, <laughs> uh, had to run eight miles back. By the time he got back to the base, a massive storm came in and grounded everything. They got back eventually with some de- decrepit old mechanical lung and, and they kept him going for, you know, so they kept him going. I think it was, he basically lost the ability to breathe after four hours, and he died after twenty, so sixteen hours. This team were keeping him alive, and the, the guy that wrote the article was a weird little even like a his particular personal horror story. So, a he was trying to save his friend and colleague there, and it was not. It was not. It was the ninth of um. It was the eleventh of September two thousand one. This is an American. This is an American team. So he had just heard on the shortwave radio what had happened in New York. He didn't tell anyone else. <laughs> On the team because he knew they need to focus on trying to save their colleagues. Yeah, and he was Jesus. there trying to deal with his horror going back in the states while dealing with this horror in front of him. Um, and in the end, yeah, the guy eventually, I guess, the, the system of the body broke down. But it was just the way. It was something about it was just so because you hear about oh he, d- he died from snake bite and you've got to imagine oh you just sort of, you kind of just drift off to sleep as if yeah. you had an anaesthetic. Yeah, and it just one of those things. It really kind of you know three of them. Yeah, and you, I think mean, yeah, you get bitten by a crocodile. It's, you know, he's get eaten by a crocodile you kind of imagine it's going to be pretty short and brutal, right? Um, you get charged by hippo, it's going to be pretty short and brutal. It, you know, it, 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 just, yeah, it was something really about it. It just really, out. really, really, mm-hmm. really it kind of wasn't so especially the
1: other two, it's actually the physical attack. Yeah. Whereas what actually happens is you're, you're in essence, you've been poisoned. Yeah. And you are dying of... And that's mind. it, to start with, you're fine. Like, you're sitting yeah. there. Yeah, Cheers. You know, thanks.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was just a... It was a there's a friend of mine who went on a, on a very high class Safari recently and uh, she was chatting to their they were out in the in the bush in um in Kenya and uh talking to the to the to the white to the to the ranger that was kind of uh, in charge and they had anti- in there and he said you know it's not we haven't got a lot of it but it's for clients and so she said what happens if you get bitten? And he goes well, so told mate? I'll just." And sit under that tree and light a cigarette and <laughs> wait for the end. It was like, oh bloody, oh, 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 Jesus Christ! Oh, no, for customers only. <laughs> yeah, it was a bus. It was horrendous. Oh my god! I saw this horrendous. I don't know how how did I get onto it? Oh, there's something that came off my YouTube probably because it, it knows I'm thinking about snakes. And it was this. It was these. <laughs> it, was these, it, was <laughs> these know, it was these Vietnamese guys and these little kind of, like little guys. You know, just wearing like a pair of shorts in this a village, little jungle, jungle kind of fairly jungly village, oh. and they were chasing. This probably eight foot cobra, and he kept dragging its tail. I thought he was just like playing with it, right? And he kept dragging its tail, and it turned around, and then it kind of went into a tree. And he went in. I guess they were going to eat it, um, but it was absolutely massive. And he kept chasing, he kept chasing, and he grabbed it, and he had it holding its obviously holding its head, you know, in one hand here, and the whole thing was wrapped around his body and like down his leg. And he was walking and giggling away, laughing like a madman. And I said, they didn't. That was it. And they probably took it inside, chopped his head off, and stuck it in a, in a pot. But it was just it. <laughs> like the, how they did it, how they picked it up and everything it was just, like, they just like Have you yeah, seen the kids? Oh. Have you seen this? I can't remember what I was watching. There was these kids and they're
0: like, there's a, and they're, they're talking in their native language it has got all subtitles on. And there's like, pointing in this hole. Anyway, this trench that gets out and I'm talking like, like this big. Next thing you know, these kids, oh, these kids couldn't be older than 9, 10. Mm. Pushed down on the top of it, picked its legs up like that, wrapped it round with string, and then they put it around their around their <laughs> belt. And, and they must have had at the end of it, they had about six of these tarantulas round. They, they're blowing them because the tarantula was letting off its hairs. And they kept blowing them, and they're like giggling, and they're tying them round their round belt. And I'm not joking; they must have had about six tarantulas all all round their belts. And then it just cuts to them cooking them over a fire. And no. You know, yeah, no, it must have been like eight to ten. I swear i like, I'll, I'll send you the link. Up. I was like, this is, I, I cannot believe
2: that this is actually happening. Well, for the yes. snakes, like spiders, I've got no issue with spiders whatsoever because there's no spider that will kill, a you know, a healthy human male. Um, you know, I've you know, i got bitten by a, I got bitten by um Redback in, in Australia because I was I, I was living, I, I went out there during my university to, to on, a, on, a, on, a, on a year in industry and got a job as a tax consultant which is you probably from one hour talking to me you realise was probably a pretty bad decision, lasted about five, <laughs> yeah. five weeks, had no money so of course <laughs> ended up living in the back of a car which then broke down and then police took it and then I end up I broke into this, oh I didn't break, I just opened the window of a, it was like a where they kept the <laughs> mowers for the park Technical and would sleep in this place and then to us I woke up, woke up from woke up the first night in this place, um, in this mower place, quite a comfortable night, and then there was just these redbacks just bloody everywhere in this in this uh, shed. And I had this little thing this weird little kind of bump there, um, which got bigger and bigger and I went to the doctor and goes, Oh yeah, mate, he's got fit in by a red He's Like, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna die? She's like, oh, that'd be ridiculous.
0: That'd be fine. So, so your con-
1: your Congo trip. Yeah. Right. You said we're gonna have to ram up yeah, so let's we'll go, gonna go for the up. next five team or four. Correct. Three thousand miles. Correct. One year. Correct. Are you take? Have you got any form of security? Uh,
2: probably case by case, like case by, like, by like like case, area, area by, area.
1: by so area. You're not taking. You set guys across with you. There's not. You're not taking security with you as such. No. That'd be a case of. You get somewhere right. We probably need something here.
2: Um, I come hell or high water. I'm going to be armed in the Congo. Oh, so this was me. One of my next questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, it true. was a case of are you going to take something to defend yourself from people yeah. and or animals? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. yeah for sure. Is it um, easy to get off farms out there? Well, it's a weird one because um, Congo has ironically really quite strong gun laws. So it'll be something I will, will do legally. Um, but yeah, you could definitely find something. You could find anything, uh, for sure. Um, but f- yeah, human and animal. And it's one of those things like, chance are you, you know, I, I, I literally, I mean, joke aside, like I carried a massive knife everywhere I've, on all these bike trips where I've been by myself and never once in any way, shape or form, been close to, to needing it to defend myself. But you only have to, you know, you only have to be right once. Mm, yeah. In yeah. fact, there was one night in a, in a field in in, in Iran and I just pulled into this old cornfield and I'd settled down for the night. It was late when I pulled in and I just kind of put my sleeping bag down. I thought, I can't be bothered to get my knife out. And then in the middle of the night, I heard something rustling around me. And I didn't, it was nothing. I'm probably a dog or something. But I do remember thinking, you're a bloody idiot. Like the one night you might need it. Yeah, it's in, the yeah, bottom it's in your bag. bag. Yeah, so it's so the same thing there. Like chance you wouldn't need it. Though if you read Phil Harwood's book, like he talks about how he bought this old decrepit, like home, literally homemade shotgun. And you just have it. There were times when you definitely felt it was being scoped out, and you just have it sitting there on the bow of his or the stern of his bow of his boat, um, and it deterred people. So yeah. you know, it's one of those things, and it's it's one of those things. Like if you've got them, do you provoke something? But honestly, I'd rather have something and not need it than yeah. find yourself yeah. in a situation it, yeah. going, "God, I wish I had something now." So yeah, so it's it's one of those ones that be again has to be very carefully done because. Yeah, it'd be weird in a place where there is obviously such a amount of, of firearms around that you <laughs> end up getting banged up for, for breaking a gun, gun law or something. Yeah, well, so um, I know
1: you're not sort of like you say you're not big on social media, you're not putting yourself out there. But as sort of word travels, you know, is there any risk you know for you being taken as in like a media like as you know? Are you
0: delayed or anything like that? That's usually say so yeah. the bigger you get on social, they usually delay the fit. Say if you're in a certain location, they'll do it like a week later.
2: Yeah, a good point. Um, there's, 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 there's probably dramatic risk on that. There's much less dramatic risk, which is that as we sort of tell our story from there, particularly in terms of the mission piece, is how we frame it so that we don't end up pissing off Local the Cong- system, well, yeah. more is kind of Congolese government, yeah. um, and and rather undramatically, just kind of get booted out of the country not it wouldn't i don't think it'd be anything more than that it wouldn't be you know if you got arrested it'd be a great story you know but if you get if you yeah, just get yeah. shown to the border it's like oh christ this is going to be you know th- that really screws things up so it was definitely a, a long discussion that, and, and ongoing discussion with you know with, we have such great congolese partners you know the whole thing is and that's what i think where our great strength as an expedition lies is through through uh through various contacts like we had all our in-country contacts are amazing so in terms of how to finesse this like they know it in a way that I, I don't. Yeah. But it's very much finessing that messaging. In terms of delaying it, yes and no. Um, I don't think on a local level there's a massive degree of risk because there just isn't that level of – like no one's going to be following us in the next 10K. I'm not massively worried about that. Um, and I think, I think yeah, the imperative of telling a really contemporary – contemporary like a really kind of contemporaneous story is, is probably more important. Um, to, but, you know, it's so not all these things. They kind of be adaptive. Like if you finding that is an issue – um, then yeah, you can definitely adapt to that. One thing which we we've got, which is kind of quite a fun little asset that we ended up um, picking up, was a friend of ours, friend of a friend. uh His company uh, installs and maintains cell phone towers across Congo, and he's responsible for like I think Congo had, at the time had like eight thousand cell phone towers, and he was responsible for like five thousand of them. And you can imagine, like the you know. The, the you know the the isolated areas these things are put up in. You had some incredible photos of you know towers being brought in by canoe, and then everything else, you know, everything's been brought in, broken down to be able to be man carried or woman carried most of it. Um, but one thing they come with each tower has a bloke with a bike, a motorbike, and a f- mobile phone. And so he gave us this um, he gave us this list with all of them had sat nav references. Inputted the whole lot into Google Maps and took about one hundred and fifty odd. That were close to the root. So one great bit of local intelligence that we've got is being able to call ahead and say, look, mate, what, you know, it's something like that's going to know exactly what's going on in there. sort of 50k radius. Mm-hmm. What's nice. going on? And it's very much going to be a mixture of, you know, we've got to get high level intelligence is quite easy and to be able to say, like, it's got, no, it's a way kind of go is there Ebola, like Ebola, like, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you could literally be a France, you know, you or not France, you could be from here to, to Portsmouth away from the nearest case of Ebola. It's no risk. Or are you literally walking straight through a town where yeah, it's been there? Yeah. That, it's been out. it's having the big, big picture intelligence, but then it has to be married with literally what's, what does the next 10K look like? What does yeah. the next 100K yeah. look like? Because that's, that's the reality. And the speed with which things can change It's why anyone, I haven't literally, yes, of course I'm aware of what's broadly speaking going on in the Congo, but I'm not going to start looking I mean, it's going to take three months. It's going to take two months to get from the start of the river into to get to the Congolese border. Yeah. But I'll start looking at what's happening in the Congo when we're about sort of halfway towards the border. Because at that yeah. point, I mean, there's no point looking at it particularly now. I mean, you can just keep getting an idea of the broad trends. And there are certain areas which are not en route, which are always going to be kind of f- fractious. But really, it's about, you know, something could happen literally that quickly. That means, right, we cannot go through there. We need to take, we need to box around it. We need to cross over into, you know, into... um you know, back into Zambia or we need to cross over into Republic of Congo or whatever it might be or we need to, you know, bugger off around here based on something that's happened in that week. So it's, it's, it's I think it's having that really kind of, you know, big picture down to literally what's what's going to happen today. Yeah. I understand if you can't give an answer like, on the quote, but are you not having any sort of like UK governmental support or anything like that from it? Or is 100% it- not. None? None, they wouldn't, wouldn't touch us with a barge pole. No, I pitched them. Absolutely pitched them. No, really? Just, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, bite me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. Hopefully the, I, the I, I, I get it, bite. I get it. You're not a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, get, I get it, I get it. You know, it's, it's a weird one. Um, mm. I pitched the, uh, you know, the brilliant, I really love the campaign, the, um, you know, British, the other. The, the, I was just thinking for like an intelligence basis, you know, like
1: in updates, you know, general, you know, situational awareness of what's going on, giving you a, like, you know, it, a, did, a battle picture, I, you know, a I'm case not. of, look, this is, the Congo isn't a great place right now. This is what's happening. Look, if you're going to do it, fine. We we can't direct this point, but
2: look, it's. I think you know. I, I, it's, I totally understand their position. Like you, they like you, like you read on the on the on the website there. No travel, no travel. Like we cannot condone travel to any part of, hmm. um, and that has to be the line. And anything which blurs that line undermines their core mission, which is to keep British citizens safe. And I totally understand that. Fair enough. I do think on you know on the other hand, it's like. No, mate, this is the British expedition going to do a well world first. Kind of give it a bit of a, a yeah. Give it, give so I don't it. Know, we'll see. I'm, my chances are, you know, we're going. You know, obviously going to pay a courtesy visit uh, when we're in Kinshasa. Say hello. You know, at least establish presence there. The actual intelligence they can provide. I've got other sort. You know, there's other sources mm-hmm. for it. Um, and I, I do understand it. You know, it's it's you know that level. They've got they've got to stick to a stick to a. Stick to a, stick a to guns almost, got yeah. yeah. um, <laughs> <Cool. laughs> one
0: last question because we're at one hour fifty three minutes. <laughs> yeah, we've. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, we're- No, laughs> I'm, I'm
1: good. You're I'm good. Like, You've yeah, done I'm-
0: it. Any final points you want to mention to people that listen to your story
2: or anything like that? I just think I just want to you know sort of reiterate, um, you know, Michael' message is just like live that life adventurously. You know, whatever it is, if your if any part of your gut is saying do it, like listen to it because you can be damn sure by the time you. You know, knock another ten, 10 years out. You wish you had. Um, I think that is worth you know really reflecting. And if you do it, go full go full out at it.
0: Okay. And for people that are going to be as excited as I am for this journey, how can they follow your journey? Uh, what's your social media? What's your website? Things like that.
2: Yeah. So the website's uh, walkthecongo.com uh, dot com. The links off there onto social. Um, as Ben pointed out, like social dead quiet in the moment, um, but it's going to be yeah. You know, my personal the mm-hmm. expedition one will be a maelstrom from 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 uh from when we're sort of three months out
0: it's dead content and in, in regards to you not posting anything at the moment but guys stay tuned because it's going to be an awesome journey of which we hope to um, be more involved with and document as much as we possibly can to um, show our support
1: yeah i'd love to go and do a bit of like, a awesome. yeah
0: it would be wouldn't it? yeah it'd be cool um guys make sure that you um Check out my uh, latest post on Instagram and I will have more details of how you can go and follow on social. And make sure that you leave your comments of just what you think of this podcast. Cause I think this is probably one of the most epic podcasts that we've done in regards to a crazy um, story and journey. And I think it's just going to get even more exciting. I mean, when we look at this um, after the journey, we're going to have to do a, an after one now yeah, just to, yeah, I want to know what you was, uh, uh, what you was lifting out there. What, what kind of anti kind of
1: tank <laughs>
0: <laughs> minds and all the rest of it, God knows, what you've been up to and whether or not you did, end up getting bitten by a small snake and panicking or whatever. Uh, we want to know. So guys, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and um, stay tuned for the next one.
1: Any final words? No, thanks, Sam. And great to meet you guys. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's, yeah. What you plan is incredible.
0: Perfect guys. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you in the next episode.